you're about to listen to another great show on the Four Eyed Radio Network. To listen to other shows just like this, go to foureyedradio.com. Like our show, Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast. Where we talk everything and anything about Pokemon. Learn something new. Like, did you know that every Pokemon card is misprinted on the back? The ball centerpiece opens on the wrong side. <laughs> what? I'm going to have to check that out. But yeah, you can learn stuff like that, which I just learned right now. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast, where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? I feel it. To listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And this episode is supported by our $10 and up patron, Bo Harper. Thanks, Bo. And we can jump right into our Patreon thingamajiggers. We had, <laughs> we had uh, some word snappers words last week. Very exciting. See if you picked them out. Uh, go back and listen to that episode now if you haven't. Whole thing. Try to find it throughout the whole thing. So um, it's just one submission. The words were, holy spider balls, Batman, submitted by Bo Harper. They're in there. We did it. You did it. We did it. If you'd like to, <laughs> if you'd like to join in um, with the games, first of all, we do have some words this week, so you can try to play along with us and figure out what words were submitted by our patrons. If you would like to submit words yourself, you can go to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/WallopingWebSnappers, and you can be a five dollar and up patron and submit some words every month, and we will try to work it into one of our episodes that month. Um, organically or not you can make us say pretty much whatever you want within reason and even if it has nothing to do with anything we will have to say them <laughs> we will we will things like holy spider balls batman <laughs> <laughs> indeed which i feel like uh. <laughs> feel like you worked in pretty organically in the last one oh, which thank you shocked me that that, that, that worked <laughs> <laughs> i found the opening and i took it <laughs> <laughs> Um, and if you're wondering, hey, guys, what are you doing with uh, all of our Patreon stuff? If I become a, a patron of yours, what are you going to do with that? Well, um, we actually use all of your wonderful contributions to us to purchase stuff to watch. So, for example, the show that we discussed last week and this week, um, we actually um, were able to purchase because of our patrons. So thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. It makes it very helpful when these things are not on streaming services of any kind. <laughs> yes, not all of the shows that we are hoping to watch are as easy to find as even this one so um yeah so we are we are very very grateful for for those folks who are making it easier for us to find some of these things yes wonderful and speaking of what we're watching today uh we got more spider-man and his amazing friends yes (laughs) we've got two episodes two weird episodes i feel (laughs) like we were led into a very false sense of security oh boy (laughs) with the first episode because even though it was hot and cold and good and bad and had its fair share of wacky i was not prepared (laughs) oh boy oh boy so buckle up 
Oh my goodness. Okay, I don't even know how we're gonna like recap these, especially <laughs> the next second one that we were talking Ooh. about. But Ooh. you know, <laughs> um, do our bests. Both all of these episodes uh, that we're talking about are available for purchase on Amazon Prime, iTunes, YouTube, Google Play. Um, they do have a DVD as well, but that DVD is UK only this first episode we're talking about is the spider-man and his amazing friends episode two of season one the crime of all centuries imdb has kind of a weirdly long synopsis this time yeah (laughs) craven the hunter is in new york city to show off his prehistoric animals however his sideshow is a cover for his plot to take over new york city by hatching a dinosaur army like you do Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're doing amazing keep going he he steals a rare ruby the eye of india and kidnaps firestar to coerce her into harnessing her energy to power a growth re-energizer which will hatch the eggs containing the dinosaurs wow that was actually really good it actually yeah surprisingly whoever wrote that good job yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, mm -hmm. Um, the original air date for this episode was september 19th 1981 and the writer of this episode i was just so fascinated by looking up this guy i had no idea who he was ahead of time it's a guy named donald f glutt may or may not recognize him if you're like in these like niche fandoms and things he started out his career doing like unauthorized amateur movies like student films and and things like that i know he did like a superman movie things stuff like that stuff with big properties that he would like, figure out how to do his own, like, amateur special effects and things like that. That's cool. Yeah, and apparently they were cool enough to be discovered by Hollywood. Um, I know he was in a couple of film magazines, um, and that kind of launched his career just just from, you know, I, I guess it's a nice lesson for if you write a lot of fanfic and make, like, YouTube videos that maybe you'll just get discovered one day and uh, become professional. <laughs> uh, probably less likely to happen now than it was back then, but, you know. Which is wild, because it had to have been so much harder to do that type of thing back then yeah right like it's so much easier now which is good to put your stuff out there but then as a result you have to you have to like compete with so many other people (laughs) yeah that's probably that's probably why it made you know it was a thing that could happen back in like the 60s because you know because there wasn't really a lot of other people do if you had a talent and you had you had to have like dedication you had to have talent and you had a lot have a lot of like acquired skills i feel like to make it work and now it's sort of like you can really just cut anybody can pick up a camera and make something pretty cool with uh with a little bit of an artistic eye so Mm -hmm. hey his last amateur film before he got picked up was an actual spider-man movie that he made in 1969 nice no idea if that's like floating around somewhere on the ether of the internet. Uh, oh, I feel like they probably locked it down. I'm sure. I'm sure. After he went professional, uh, he did write for lots of kids media in the 80s and 90s. He wrote for Shazam. He wrote for the 81 Spider-Man show that ran parallel to this one. Um, he wrote for Transformers, DuckTales, G.I. Joe, X-Men, another writer on the <laughs> RoboCop animated series. One thing I'm learning, is, like as we get through the writing and producing and acting credits and stuff is that you just begin to see the connections right you're like oh okay so all these people knew each other and they kind of just like they must have been connected in the right way where someone was like oh you know what i just worked with that guy on this it just just call him up yep yep and it always makes it funny like (laughs) 
it isn't the case with him, but with so many other writers where it's just like they wrote on Marvel and DC shows. And yeah, and it makes like all of the, the kind of like rivalries that people have. Like, it's just like it makes it feel even more pointless because it's like <laughs> the people who are creating the things that are the subject of your rivalries. Yeah. They're all the same writers. <laughs> they're right. all the same yeah. people. Yeah. To them, it's all it's all, um, you know, it's not it's not hostile, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. it's not they don't have like a strong, you know, vehement loyalty one way or the other, um, which right. actually you kind of see with comic creators now sometimes too although i'm sure uh i'm sure contracts are a little bit different now yeah but even then you have people like gail simone who is very exactly who i was thinking about yeah (laughs) so open about no matter even if she is writing for marvel at one time she will talk up about how much she loves dc characters and and vice versa so i think that's the right way to do it like you know but hey it's yeah not everything's happy-go-lucky like we want it to be uh mr glut also claims to have created many of the masters of the universe characters um the way that like the wording was on his wikipedia page saying claims makes me think that he probably doesn't get credited for that right but uh but yeah apparently he had a hand in that Another just interesting thing he wrote what was apparently a very famous uh, best-selling novelization <laughs> of uh, the Empire Strikes Back novel. I had to look into this because I was not aware. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, every movie, every movie at that time at least had like a novelization. Oh, so yeah, it makes sense. And they but... still do that. They still do that for sure. Like you can get a Last Jedi novelization that has like all kinds of stuff that what like didn't make it into the movie or whatever. So it didn't mm-hmm. surprise me that it existed. I just didn't realize it had such a reputation. <laughs> yeah, because it's still in print apparently which is it's oh, very wow yeah which is strange for a novelization of a movie from the 70s you know <laughs> that i think was at the very least divisive but perhaps widely panned I, <laughs> I don't think it's considered good right or is it just divisive the empire strikes back no the the novel oh i don't know the empire strikes back i i have i don't i don't know anything about the history i know it's famous i didn't know okay. if it was divisive or not i there's definitely strong detractors i don't know if there are equally as strong advocates <laughs> interesting oh yeah. so it's famous because it's not good i just assumed it was famous because everyone loved it i didn't I look know. that i didn't look that deeply into it well That's i i was looking into it while i was while i was at work so i only got so far <laughs> mm-hmm. oh now i want to learn more about this yeah <laughs> that makes right me way more interested in it actually. i know i, I want to go like... find it and read it <laughs> yeah oh interesting oh hey it's editor doug jumping in for just a moment pardon my interruption but i just wanted to let you know that i actually did a bit more research on that empire strikes back novelization and i started reading it for myself so i have a better understanding now of why that book is so famous and we'll talk more about it on our next episode so stay tuned for that I didn't want to make this too much longer than it already will be, but I also didn't want any sort of angry Star Wars fans in my mentions. So let's get back to the episode. Well, yeah, but and he's also stayed as a novelist um, on other subjects. He writes a lot of stuff about dinosaurs. He writes about a lot of like classic horror movie monsters, uh, like Dracula and Frankenstein, stuff like Dope. that. And who since the late '90s, he and like up till as early as recently as I think like 2016, maybe even 2018, um, <laughs> he he has been writing and directing lots of exploitation style horror B movies, things like The Erotic Rites of Countess Dracula, The Mummy's Kiss, and Dances with Werewolves. All of which are exactly what they sound like. <laughs> He's a man after my own heart. I gotta be honest. But <laughs> I want, like, I feel like B horror is something I should be really into, but I feel like I need to be into it with other people. Yeah. And I just like, I need to find that group. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally would agree with that. It's not something that I can sit and just like watch <laughs> alone. <laughs> uh, be like, I need to enjoy this with somebody. Like, I'm just right. what am, what am I doing right now? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, he wrote this episode, and of course, he wrote, writes a lot about dinosaurs, and there's lots of dinosaurs in this episode, so it checks out. It makes sense, it makes sense. We, I would say, obviously, we have a major character introduced, but the title doesn't actually clarify who we're talking about. So this episode introduces Craven the Hunter into this series, and this version of Craven is portrayed by Robert Ridgely, um, who was the voice of Tarzan in the 1976 animated Tarzan series, and the voice of Flash Gordon in the 79 Flash Gordon series. Um, he also, here's a, another connection to this universe, was the voice of General Ross in the 1982 incredible hulk series and uh he appeared in eight episodes of centurions which we have i believe mentioned before because uh i think neil ross Mm. appeared uh in a number of those episodes if not every one of those episodes okay so uh another another connection there interesting was that a cartoon or was that a live action show it was a cartoon. Gotcha. Never heard yes. of it. <laughs> yes. I had neither, but I feel like if I'm not getting things mixed up, I'm pretty sure it, it, it was on for a pretty long time. Interesting. Or at least a number of episodes, you know, high number of episodes, if yeah. not for a long time. It's funny how many things, like, I feel like I have a pretty decent knowledge of TV history, and there's still so many things where it's just like, oh yeah, this show ran for like eight years, it was very popular at the time, and I'm like, never <laughs> heard of it. <laughs> I know. It's, you know, I've I've been coming to grips over the past few years with the the truth, you know, the reality that is, there's too much to consume. You cannot oh, yeah. consume everything. Even you can't even consume everything that exists right now, right. and then <laughs> then we research these shows, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like eight times as much as I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there are entire shows that were culturally significant that are like all but lost to pop culture history. <laughs> right, right. It's so it's so it's so strange, and you never know yeah. like what of those things. You know, not the nine times out of ten, it's probably not going to be anything that like you love but you never know if it could be like oh that might have been actually the perfect show for me that just happened to exist in like 1975 (laughs) that i never watched heard of right and who's gonna (laughs) introduce it to you now right (laughs) (sighs) how existential of us i know i know we get deep on the spider-man podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah very 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 deep as we are about to to see (laughs) each of these episodes (laughs) so let's let's dive in (laughs) So this episode opens on what appears to be a sort of kaiju-style attack on the city. But fear not, it is actually just a movie that Peter and Angelica have either just seen or about to see. I'm not really sure if they're coming in, like, out of the theater or going into the theater, whatever. It's a movie called Dinosaur Destroyer. And Peter makes an observation to Angelica that the movie is getting huge publicity boosts from, as he describes it, that creep Craven the Hunter, who is apparently hunting live dinosaurs in the Savage Land. <laughs> which, if you're unfamiliar, <laughs> uh, is a tropical land surrounded by volcanoes hidden in Antarctica. Okay, I knew, wasn't Savage Land? I feel like that was in like the X-Men cartoon or something, maybe? It's, right? I don't know. It's appeared in a number of properties. I had to look it up because I wasn't sure if it was like, a thing or not or if they were Mm -hmm. just being like 
sort of like vaguely racist and calling like some exotic <laughs> oh, land savage. So that's why I looked it up because I was like, yeah, are they being weird or is this actually a location in the Marvel Universe? Could go either way. Actually, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually a location. <laughs> I knew I'd heard of it. I just never I, I had no idea that it was technically supposed to be in Antarctica. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In this series, they say that um, that Craven discovered it. But I don't know if that's I don't know if that's like. Well, there's a lot of questions around Craven that yeah that don't get answered with this which i mean right off the bat it's like this movie is getting a lot of publicity because of craven and i don't feel like it's explicit like is it because it craven just so happens to also be in the savage land and he's kind of famous and that it or was he involved in the making of the movie or is it just know. a parallel thing because they have the statue of craven yes! in the movie theater <laughs> <laughs> and then later we see a billboard for the movie that also doesn't have a picture of Craven. It is a picture of a statue of Craven. Yeah, <laughs> in the movie posters. So and both, I think both the billboard and the statue, definitely the statue outside the theater, say in person. So they have they have very directly connected Craven the Hunter to this movie. And I don't yeah. know if that's because later we'll see him in New York City or what. But uh, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> lots of lots of things about Craven the Hunter that we are just to assume everybody in the in this show already knows I guess right but except know. Angelica doesn't like know anything about him like she's well. <laughs> Peter just well, yeah I know Peter does and I, I feel like what it seems like is that it's one of those cases in this universe where Craven is like kind of a famous celebrity that people know but Peter has fought him at one point as spider-man so he knows that like secretly Craven is a criminal or does creepy stuff but like just can't prove it because he has has this image to the rest of the world. But there's also like, I feel like there's another line that Peter has later on where he's just like, anyone who loves hunting that much has to be evil or something. So maybe he doesn't know anything and he's just very weirdly biased against hunters. So yeah, I would, I would say that very strong case that, that Peter had already fought green goblin. Like I felt like that was a very strong case. Mm -hmm. This one I'm not as confident about. I feel like he's probably just like a celebrity. Yeah, that's the thing about this whole show. I mean, this talking a lot about like this one moment, but I feel like this kind of goes through all episodes, including the next one, where like the show has kind of this vague history behind it. I think where it's like you're almost expecting you as a viewer to go in with knowledge of Marvel Comics in a way, or just go in just being like, okay, just expect that Peter has literally met all of these villains already. And yeah. if you don't know their history, I mean, oh, well, you're just kind of out of luck because they don't really go into it very often. Yeah, it hasn't really been in the business of origin stories and histories. So yeah. I don't know that we should expect to get any. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if that's because of its weird place of running parallel with the other Spider-Man shows. Oh, so they maybe. Know, like, who would see what first so they didn't want to have to deal with doing an origin story in mm. one and then the other one ends up airing before it or something like that. I don't know. That'll be interesting to look at when we get to just plain solo Spider-Man from this era. Yeah. I'll have to try to remember which which questions we have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there will be a lot of them. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, did you notice outside of the theater, the names on the marquee are Simon Williams and Karen Page. Karen Page of Daredevil. And Simon Williams oh, is apparently Wonder Man. I did not take note of those. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's an int- I well, I only I I only knew it because I saw it on the wiki. So <laughs> it wasn't that's not on me. I, I wouldn't have necessarily caught it. But it's kind of weird. Like I'm sure that there are like because those are kind of deep cuts. I feel like for there are a lot this. of Easter eggs in in at least yeah. this episode. Yeah, I'm just surprised that they chose like those two characters rather than people who maybe are actually celebrities in the Marvel Universe rather than like two people who definitely aren't movie stars. Yeah, so that's kind of weird. But 
That is definitely an interesting choice. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe they didn't want it to be, uh, like, too obvious or too distracting or something. I don't know. Yeah. Although, I mean, internet, like, uh, internet culture of obsessing over canon and continuity didn't exist quite yet. That's true. I don't know what they would be worried about. That's true. (laughs) Angry letters. Right. (laughs) Well, um, as they are, uh, I'm assuming they're leaving the theater. They've got to be leaving the theater. In any case, as they're talking, a gang of thugs decides that this is the opportune time to rob the theater ticket booth. So Peter and Angelica run into an alley and they change into Firestar and Spider-Man. And they basically just run the gang directly into the police. But they do it in the most extra way possible. (laughs) Peter, like, uses his webs to, like, roll what I guess is a huge dinosaur statue in the way, and then Firestar, like, makes it look like it's breathing fire, but but doesn't fool them. Like, they're not fooled. They're just sort of like, wow, that fire is really real. <laughs> and then they run into the, the arms of the police. You know, so. it, it, Spider-Man could have literally just webbed all of them, but, yeah, you know, it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, it's like in the last episode where they kind of overwrite things, like, they try to get a little too clever and it's (laughs) like i appreciate that you're not just having spider-man just web them up because that would be kind of boring but you will go so far in the opposite direction of just weird and kind of nonsensical well i think okay so now that we've watched three episodes of this and maybe this is better for the end of the episode but it's this moment falls into this observation i think one thing that i'm appreciating about this series so far is that they really do try to put lots of things in here to chew on for us or things that might be funny or entertaining or whatever. Mm. And so the more I put myself in that mindset, the less some of the extraneous things, I guess, bother me. Um, But this is definitely a a thing that you could, you could have totally cut it out of the episode Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't have changed anything. But I mean, it was, it was kooky and weird. And so I appreciate that. That's true. I mean, and I don't mean to be like down. Oh no, I don't think you are. I don't think you are. Yeah, because I think it's it is it's fun to like think about it. Like, what are you actually doing here? But <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of a weird. I think it's like a weird thing from this era of, of kids shows where like in the Spider Man '90s show they're trying to cram in so much stuff in a very limited time. But I feel like at this point they were almost kind of encouraged to not write very much and then kind of have a lot of filler. <laughs> you know, like yeah. like, like just think about like okay, what else is what are we, what can we do to pad time here? We have this this little bit of story. We're not going to go deeply into these characters' personal lives or anything like that. So what kind of random stuff can we throw in <laughs> like in the first episode where the cop tries to write Iceman and Spider-Man yeah. a ticket for building Ice Bridge, like stuff yes. that is completely inconsequential and I don't feel like it necessarily makes the show like quote unquote good, but it does make <laughs> it like weird and unique and fun in a very specific way that you're not going to get from any spider-man show made now you know i think it makes it very fun to watch it just makes our job very difficult oh god i know nothing makes sense (laughs) yes yes and and i i think that as we look at these little scenes that are thrown in here without you know much consequence it'll be fun to see which ones i'm bothered by and which ones i'm not because i would say i'm a little bit more bothered by the cop one because Mm -hmm. that's not really much of anything i don't think it was a whole lot of character building or anything this one at least is just like general crime fighting yeah they want to throw in like little petty crimes here and there that's fun you know like i'm I'm down with that even if they are totally extra in the way that they solve those (laughs) crimes (laughs) i love seeing the two of them actually superheroing together like on a street level which you don't see very often now you know yeah 
So that's cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. But this this literally does interrupt their conversation because they pick the conversation <laughs> right back up. So they're like having the conversation of like, wait, what about Craven? And then they, they do this crime fighting detour. And then Angelica literally is like, okay, so now tell me about Craven. <laughs> Which is kind of like a funny thing to think about. Like you're just living your life and then you have to take like a 15 minute break to, yeah. to stop some thugs. And then like, oh, by the way, remember we were talking about something. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I, I don't know. Is, it's weird and funny. It I guess. Weird and funny. <laughs> yes, yes, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I do also like that we're kind of thrown into the Savage Land concept, like immediately, like right, yes. right into it. It's just like, oh yeah, there's an island and there's mm-hmm. dinosaurs there, and it's weird that you don't know about it, Firestar. yeah i actually it's weird to me that and we we don't know how much peter knows about anything it's weird to me that peter knows about it it's weird to me that peter talks about it as if this is common knowledge yeah yeah because i think this is supposed to be sort of a secretive location so it's strange that it's just sort of like oh everybody by the way craven's in Mm. the savage lands you know those savage lands that are strangely placed and bizarre and contain animals that shouldn't exist. He's there in the Savage Land. Like, <laughs> but it everyone's can't just be. talking about it. It can, Yeah, it can't be secretive because that's the whole reason that the uh, movie is getting so much publicity is because Craven is in the Savage Land or something. Yeah, so, it's weird. In this, whatever universe <laughs> this is. The, everybody knows about the Savage Land. It's like except, a hot destination. Except for Firestar somehow. Yes, except for Firestar. How else are we supposed to explain backstory if there isn't a female character to know nothing? How would we know anything? Yikes. <laughs> it should be Bobby, by the way. It should be. That would be that would be perfect. It would make sense for his character, yeah. Yes, uh, yes. Well... <laughs> We cut to the Savage Land where we see Craven monologuing all about his uh, bitter jungle power potion. It'll give him the strength <laughs> of ten gorillas. Uh, yep. <laughs> he instructs his assistant Skelton to distribute the bait to uh, assist assist him in hunting a uh, bipedal dinosaur. I don't know what kind it's supposed to be because it's definitely not a T-Rex because that's very specified what a T-Rex is later. So just kind of yeah. this vague, vague dinosaur thing. Yeah, I don't know what it is. But also the bait makes the most disgusting noise. (laughs) I just want to point out. (laughs) I don't know what he was throwing, but it was gross. I didn't notice that as much because I was too, um, I was too, like, looking too hard at the, thinking too much about, distracted, that's the word I'm looking for. Distracted by the fact Is this a chest hair comment? Yes. (laughs) You know me too well. (laughs) I thought about that watching it too. I was like, "Oh no, Craven has no chest hair." Derek's another, gonna be very upset. <laughs> another kid. He he's really he's very close to the design of the '90s show. He's really not much different. Yeah. He's just a little less detailed. Yeah, another yeah. hairless, completely hairless, except for a little tiny bit of facial hair. Completely mm-hmm. hairless, Craven. Yeah. Um, <sighs> can, how do you feel about Craven's voice in this series? Um. The voice is fine. I think I do prefer Craven having some kind of accent, whether it's like Russian or they do some kind of African thing or something with it. I, I'm not a fan of just like very basic, like kind of milk toast Craven. But I like, I mean, I think the graveliness is fine. I think it's just kind of generic. Um, it's not anything amazing, but I, but I don't, I don't hate it. It's just pretty basic. Mm, I, I don't love it. I feel like it suffers from probably the same thing a number of these characters suffer from, which is just sort of probably just a quality of the voice acting at the time which has and i shouldn't say and i don't mean quality as a measurement of um talent but just like a certain vocal quality or affect Mm -hmm. 
that I think even like Spider-Man has, you know, where it's just yeah. sort of, it's almost radio-y a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Yeah. It's and very... many of these people were radio actors, so it makes sense. It's very like performative. Yeah. There's nothing yes. really particularly uh, like, ca- there's nothing really casual about it when they're ta- when they talk, no matter yeah. what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I-, I was just curious, since I know you have thoughts about Craven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think many of these cartoons do Craven very well for me, but anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do like that Craven refers to himself in the third person in this episode. Yes. Like, repeatedly. <laughs> yes, I'm into that. That's good. That's yeah, good. yeah. Good detail. But once he does catch that dinosaur, he throws it into this like insta-cage thing that yeah. just like, builds itself. <laughs> it's really weird. It's very advanced. It, very advanced. And... <laughs> I I'm glad that you pointed this out in the notes because this bothered me too. Um, it's pointed out specifically that he completed his collection of all three prehistoric animals. All three of them, Derek. He got all of them. All three. <laughs> <laughs> what I took to mean later on is I think maybe it was like the three that he was just all three that he was aiming to catch or that he needed for his collection or that he was supposed to bring for that specific show that he has later. But the way that they phrase it and set it up, it's it it makes it very strange. I think you have to think of it that way because it's the only way to reconcile the fact that he has those three and there is a T Rex later. Right. <laughs> there also, are like, more than three. <laughs> an entire island, an entire island of prehistoric animals. Well, there's only three of them, but yeah. you know, <laughs> there's just like a lot of those three, though. <laughs> just a lot of yellow mammoths. Right. <laughs> yellow mammoths. um well those three prehistoric animals are nothing to craven um he's hell-bent on capturing all of new york city for some reason yeah i like (laughs) that he talks about new york city as something to hunt right (laughs) the entire city (laughs) the concept of new york city yes (laughs) at least he doesn't make a uh concrete jungle joke oh god i know right (laughs) yeah i i would have been zero percent surprised if that happened yeah, actually, it is kind of weird that they didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. His plan is interesting um, and very, again, very uh, probably unnecessarily complicated for this <laughs> show. So he has this thing called a growth energizer, which is like mm-hmm. a ray that he will use on dinosaur eggs that he has. Um, I think they're T-Rex eggs. He will use this ray on them. It will cause them to hatch and immediately mature into a full-grown dinosaur army. And then he will use this dinosaur army to force the Big Apple into uh, surrender. Yes. Like you do. Right. And he has about (laughs) uh, 12 to 18 eggs (laughs) for his dinosaur army. I guess that's, I mean, they're dinosaurs. That's kind of probably all you need. Fair point. (laughs) (laughs) But then there's even more ripples to this plan. He still needs... The Eye of India, which is a special ruby, uh-huh. and I, that's going to be a thing that helps the, 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 the ray has to like fire through that ruby to work. He also needs the greatest living heat source on Earth, Firestar. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> and <Whose> picture <laughs> he keeps tucked <sighs> next to his penis. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He pulls that picture directly from where his junk he does. Would sit. It's literally, he just wear, he's wearing underwear and he sticks his hands in his pants and he pulls it out. Yep. Why yep. is every episode so far, I mean, it's only been two, but every time Craven appears, it, everything just gets really fucking horny. I don't understand. Or, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I mean, your entire thesis statement about the Craven the Hunter episode from the 90s was like, 
everything is horny and sexual. So, I mean, it really just, it fits. <laughs> it just means that the thesis has applied for longer than maybe we expected. Yeah. I didn't think it would be every single appearance he was in, but here we go. Here we I, go. We should, we should search for some sort of like, uh, there, there must be interviews from actual creators or something who, who, who said like, I, I don't know. Someone had to have created this, this, um, this specific Craven aura. Uh, yeah right i don't remember his first appearance in the comic so i don't know if it was always there i have to suspect it was not i doubt it but i know that like by the 80s i mean if you read craven's last hunt there's a lot of (laughs) there's a lot of energy in that comic um that is such a kind way to put it (laughs) (laughs) i dug it i liked it a lot but there's a lot of it in that comic so yeah (laughs) at some point down the line i imagine before this show started He's just a character that just exudes that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's just a naturally occurring thing. And yeah. I, it, it would make sense if it was, right? Like, if every, if if more than one writer kind of came to the same conclusion about, like, I don't know, he just sort of, like, exudes this weird primal sexual energy, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I don't know that anyone decided that for him. Yeah, I think it's probably something that just comes in, kind of comes naturally, like, when you're talking about... Oh, animalistic people and like masculinity right. and, the and stuff. Hunt. Of yeah, it's like that's kind of gonna come into it, you know. Yeah. So it makes sense. It's just like it's just weird, you know. <laughs> and it's really no excuse to keep a photograph of a woman, you right. know, tech like tucked next to your testicles. Someone anim- drew and animated that. Like whose decision? And this isn't like. <laughs> This isn't like they didn't ship this show off to Korea and it's just like, oh, well, somebody just didn't understand or something like these were in-house animators, as far as I know, who knew what they were doing. Right. (laughs) This wasn't like, what have they done? Oh, you got to keep it in. Right. (laughs) I can't believe I dropped my first F-bomb on this podcast talking about the horniness surrounding Craven. I can. (laughs) (laughs) What more appropriate place to do it? Oh, Lordy. So, you know, Craven's here. <laughs> um, we'll back in New York City, and as they casually superhero travel through the streets, because that's that's how they just travel down the street, I guess, uh, Iceman is begging for rent money from Firestar um, when they witness a car accident. But the car accident is actually set up by Craven with his, uh, his little buddy Skelton in an attempt to capture Firestar. So basically what they do is they cause this accident between like a car and a semi-truck. A semi-truck that says Craven the Hunter on it, by the way. <laughs> Subtle. Like just very large lettering, Craven the Hunter, which I guess in this circumstance means he has not committed crimes or can been convicted of crimes or accused of crimes yet yes i don't think you could travel around like that um or i guess appear at the museum anyway um so this accident basically um is to let one of the dinosaurs out so that the spider friends have to address it so a pterosaur of some kind escapes and chases firestar as she says like a moth to a flame and after she this is very confusing (laughs) 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 the pterosaur (laughs) And, and perfectly appropriate for a Craven episode. The pterosaur, like, sort of catches her uh, in the air and grabs her over the shoulders with its talons. And she has a very strange expression on her face that maybe looks like arousal. <laughs> Which, you know, might just have been pain, except that it appears she was never really in any danger because she just sort of, like, uses heat powers to get out of it and then, like, captures it in a cage of flames and puts it back in the cage. <laughs> yeah. very strange sequence of events 
Very strange. And Bobby does not help in any manner whatsoever. <laughs> yes. By the way, Bobby does nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. <laughs> there are two of them there. Firestar and Iceman. Bobby does nothing. You know what he does do? He slides around on the road creating an ice path behind him, which means that any car driving on the road <laughs> where he's walked or slid is just going to careen off of it and crash. Yeah. Thanks, Bobby. This is going to come up. I don't know if it's this episode or the next one. I think it's probably this one. His ice path thing is very confusing. They really need to define the physics of the ice path for those of us who are analyzing this thing. <laughs> you really think they're going to do that on this show? Nope. Of all places. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, no, not at all. <laughs> In any case, Firestar does return the dinosaur um, and is immediately charmed by Craven, um, who invites her to attend a special museum event where he'll be revealing his newly captured creatures. Um, and she very, very hornily accepts... Uh, with the phrase, wild mastodons couldn't keep me away. Mm. So she is smitten. Mm. I mean, fair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame her. I mean, it's not a great look for uh, for your singular like f- female character to just to be immediately in love with a bad guy. But it's Craven. I get it. It's and it's it's uh, this is going to be my ma- my biggest complaint about this episode is. Um, is the dynamic of Firestar falling for Craven, And then very immediately we see that Bobby and Peter are sort of like, ugh, you don't see how gross and creepy he is. And she's like, no, it's great. And that's like the dynamic the whole time. Yeah. Which if, if, if Bobby were also, and it wouldn't make sense because they have their weird little attraction triangle going on. Mm-hmm. But if Bobby is sort of like this, doofus was also like craven's so cool and peter was the only one that was like no craven's a creep that wouldn't bother me as much or if uh everybody that craven met was like immediately sort of uh entranced by his mist or whatever sure then it wouldn't bother me as much but she's the only one (laughs) right right and everybody treats her like she's so dumb (laughs) yeah because it would check out you know he's it seems like he's a celebrity of some kind so and Mm -hmm. he seems like he's someone that has like a swagger and probably has like a really like entrancing musk to him so i mean (laughs) like musk it's so good (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it would make sense if it's just like she's just swayed and just just hasn't had the experiences with him that that peter has but yeah it's like with this and then with her not knowing anything about the savage land at the beginning like yeah it's not a good look for her no at all nope 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 craven does have a very nicely drawn butt though i feel like that's worth pointing out I can't believe I missed it. <laughs> I screenshot it. What kind of hack am I? <laughs> yeah. Well. Anyway, back at the the Parker resident uh, at the Parker residence, um, Angelica is telling Peter and Bobby all about how nice and macho she thinks her new Craven boyfriend is. She's probably doodling his name in her notebooks and stuff. Of like course. That. Angelica Craven. <laughs> Angelica Craven. <ugh. laughs> Ms. Angelica Jones hyphen Craven. <laughs> well, hey, how very fabulous of her keeping her keeping her name and hyphenating it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby does attempt to like try to take shots at him by saying he like he smells like a zoo. Um, but of course, Angelica is like, no, he's dreamy. I love him. We're going to get married. Uh, <laughs> and insults Bobby for being a total slob and a mess. 
Yeah, which, I mean, <laughs> that totally fits his character. Yep. Uh, yep. And Bobby takes a lot of heat in this episode. Oh my god, he so does. And all the while this is happening, Aunt May's Aunt May is cleaning their these adults, I guess, apartment. Like and the way Which they cleaning, all share together, right? Share. Or is it just Bobby and Peter share? I was trying I, to figure out where they all slept. Ooh, actually I I was always under the impression that they lived together, but I don't know if it's if it's clear, and I've, I mean, I haven't seen enough of the show to know if they ever specify that, actually. Well, here's my theory thus far. It's one of two things. Either all three of them share a room, and Angelica and Peter sleep on the two beds that we see, and Bobby sleeps on the couch, mm-hmm. because Bobby's crap is all over the couch, <laughs> or... Peter and Bobby share a room and Angelica has her own room. Yeah, that I could see that because, I mean, you know, this is also like 1981. Like it's not, right. it's probably not progressive enough to have all three of them living together in the same room. So yeah, I don't yeah. know that May Parker is like frequently presented as like the progressive, like shining light of, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like she's lovely, but I don't know that she's right. You know, right. The way that they animate her cleaning her apartment, at least in the opening shot, like when they're the wide shot of everything, she's just like slapping that <laughs> that rag down on the fireplace back and forth. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I need to go back and watch it's that. <laughs> so good. She's not everything else is like still in your of her arm going up and down just with that slapping. rag. Like, no wonder <laughs> she's slapping about to, the dust. <laughs> no wonder she's about to knock down the their 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 football trophy statue uh-huh. thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh, which she does there they have like this I, it looks like a football trophy or maybe yeah. it's a statue or something like that but if you they show it in the uh, the opening credits i think like when you move that that's what activates all of their computer technology in their bedroom to like to, to, to kind of whatever you call it when it's all like under the ground and it unfurls or whatever, um, that yeah. kind of old trope. She causes that to happen, which like, that's why you shouldn't have your aunt cleaning your whole apartment. You freaking had three adults who can clean <laughs> the apartment yourself. Um, yeah. but she does that um, while her back is turned and Peter's like, oh no, no, you should, you should, uh, no, you've done enough Aunt May, which yes, is correct. She has. She makes the... <laughs> most ridiculous face when he says you've done enough i don't know if you noted this at all but it's like this weird sort of like euphoric smile like she's never been complimented in her life (laughs) oh my god which makes everything so sad yeah it's so much sadder she's letting these people live in her live in her house she's cleaning for them even though again they're three supposedly responsible adults she does make them pay rent including peter yeah, so that's true. That is some that is a point uh, in her favor. That's true. That's that's fair. And speaking of when after Peter like resets everything behind Aunt May's back and gets her to go off watch her stories or whatever, <laughs> she, she's like she starts throwing shade at Bobby for oh, yeah. not paying his rent. Which I mean, rightfully so. She's just like mm-hmm. everybody else. I don't remember what she says, but it's like everybody else pays their rent or yeah, something, something like that. about like uh, I think Peter compliments her. So then she says like, "Oh, you're so sweet" or something like that, and then takes a dig at bobby by saying like and he pays his rent on time yeah that's right that's right so yeah so that's how we get this this little ongoing thread about bobby not paying (laughs) his rent which like does he have a job where would he get money from these are things like you can just assume that peter probably has his job at the daily bugle Mm -hmm. angelica who i don't know and bobby feels responsible she seems responsible enough that she has a job 
<laughs> she probably has a whole savings account <laughs> that yeah. she's working out of. But yeah. yeah, Bobby, what does he do? I mean, I assume that they're all in college, but like <laughs> he doesn't really seem to be doing anything. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He yeah, he doesn't seem to be doing much of anything. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there, there's a really <laughs> kind of hilarious uh exchange that I thought was happening. That turns out to be more productive than I expected, but I just, I wrote down exactly what it was because it, I laughed out loud both times I watched the episode. So after Aunt May, you know, disses Bobby, he says, for a sweet old lady, she sure knows how to hurt a guy. And then he says, uh, Petey, old buddy, can you lend me? And Peter cuts him off and just says, no, listen. <laughs> and then he goes into like everything about Dr. or not Dr. Doom. I almost said Dr. Doom uh, about Craven and Angelica and all this sort of stuff. And I just was like cracking up because he's like asking for rent and Peter's like, no, moving <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he does, he does go further than that, but I just, it, it's so funny the way that it's delivered and written. Just it cracks me up. No, <laughs> no, it's listen. so good. It's yeah. <laughs> I do like. I think that's one thing that I really love about this show is their really caustic camaraderie that the three of them have. <laughs> yes. It's like they are not like these goody goody like teamwork. We love each other things that I was kind of that I I would kind of expect from this era. Like they're legit mean to each other all yeah. the time. Kind of realistically, sometimes it goes overboard and how mean they are, but it's always really entertaining. Well, I actually, on that topic, I, um, this is sort of a divert, like a uh, tangent or a little, little detour or something. Mm -hmm. I wrote down every single insult and pet name that they throw at (gasps) each other in the first three episodes. Dude. I'm going to give you, this is a, I'm going to quiz you a little bit. Okay. I am going to give you four insults or pet names that are given to Peter and four that are given to Bobby. And each list has one fake one. Okay. So you have to figure out which one they were not called. Okay. So these ones are for Peter. Webbed Wonder, Motormouth, Bugman, and Bug Boy. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> I remember either Bugman or Bug Boy. The other two just don't even ring a bell at all. Ooh, and I feel like I pay so much attention too. Oh man. <laughs> I was worried that like this was maybe too much up your alley, and I was like, he's gonna have all these like written down or something. <laughs> I was expecting it to be up my like when you were saying this, I was like, Oh, I got this in the bag. Nope. Okay. Um I know that they call him Bugman. Or or is it Bug Boy? Maybe they call him both. I don't think it's gonna be either. I think I think it's both of those they call him that. I feel like Web Wonder is the thing that they don't call him. That's my final answer. They really? do not ever call him Motormouth. Really? Yep, yep. That seems so easy, too. Angelica yeah. calls him Webbed Wonder in the first episode. Okay. Yes, Okay, yes. wow. A rare instance of them being nice to each other. I know, I know, right? <laughs> um, all right, and for Bobby. I didn't do this for Angelica because they don't really insult her very much. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, Bobby just calls her hot stuff, which is weird. Ugh. So for Bobby, we have Mr. Blizzard, Snowflake... Ice Cube, and The Great Popsicle. <laughs> oh, God, Snowflake. <laughs> that was a yeah, new meaning. three of oh, these dude. they actually said. Oh, jeez. Um, 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 What was the Blizzard one? What was that one? Mr. Blizzard. Mr. Blizzard. I'm going to go with Mr. Blizzard. Eh. God. They do call him that. Peter calls him Mr. Blizzard. Uh, Bobby is never called a Snowflake. That is a little too... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to oh, <man>. this decade <laughs> oh man i should have guessed i even that was my first thought i was just like no i feel like that okay well <laughs> well thank Oof. you for entertaining that oh jeez wow i you know i really thought that i would be better at that but nope. okay 
I was worried you would be. <laughs> all right. Mm. Well, um, Ooh. that all because they constantly insult each other, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, will, I will say when uh, when uh, when Bobby was asking Peter for some money, he's like, oh, but I need some bucks for the rent. <laughs> I had to listen to it three times without the subs on because I was looking for like screen caps. So I had them oh off. Boy. I normally have them on. I really thought he said butts. I, and I was like, <laughs> what the heck is he talking about? It's his Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> After yes. all, he's very into Peter. They were alone in the room. <laughs> he's testing the waters maybe. Yeah. Oh boy. I need some butts for the rent. No. Yeah. No. Listen. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, in any case, um, one of the ways that, uh, that that Peter cuts him off and is kind of explaining why he can't be doing any of that right now is because he, he explains that Angelica will need uh, Bobby and Peter both to watch out for her. I think he specifically uh-huh. says, like, she's going to need chaperones. Like, yeah. ew. Um, <laughs> but, her uh, love but, is getting in the way. God. I mean... <laughs> she can't it, take care of herself because she's too... In love with Craven. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she literally turns things, can like create fire out of nothing. Like yeah. she's fine. Um, yep. But he can't lend Bobby any money because he's, I like this. He, he says specifically that he needs to, to buy more chemicals to make more web fluid. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah, which is a kind of realistic thing that the show doesn't really do very often. So that's cool. Yeah. Where do you think they got their equipment from? Do you think it's from I Professor actu- X? There is a, actually a specific episode that answers oh. this question. So okay. I don't think it's still towards the end of the show, so it'll be a while, but, well, but I they will do ref- answer this. I will refrain from complaining about their lab then. Yeah, it's a fun- <laughs> it's funny though, because I think like if I remember correctly, like in the trivia, that was actually like a thing that people wrote in about, like asking like where did this come from? And right. so like they actually that's why it's like an episode towards the end huh. of the show that answers that question because it's just like, Okay guys, you asked, huh. so I guess we have to answer you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, right? Hmm, neat. Yeah. <laughs> and while Peter's making some of his web fluid, I, this bothered me. <laughs> Miss Lion just like eats some of his webbing. <laughs> like she just yeah. eats it. And yep. then like he shoots a test, a test uh, web um, and Miss Lion catches it. And he's like, it's not taffy, Miss Lion. And it's like, are you sure she's not going to get like real sick from that? Like, and dead. then he makes like a ball of webbing for her to play with, which first of all, it's, Seems toxic to a dog. Like, unless he made this specifically to not be toxic to Miss Lion, which maybe he did. Seems that would bug me. And then also, like, (laughs) is Aunt May not going to question why Miss Lion, who, like, lives with her and who she takes care of, is just walking around with a ball made of webbing? (laughs) Yeah. That and it's clearly expensive. Stop wasting it on Miss Lion. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Well, back at the museum event, um, after a little bit of back and forth between Angelica and Peter, because they're in they're in the audience and, and Bobby's like not interested and Peter's being kind of a brat. Um, Angelica sort of like she I don't know. She like comes back at them and says, like, you're just jealous, whatever. Um, so uh, after all that happens, Craven reveals his prehistoric catches and oh, no, one of them escapes. And guess what? Angelica says, I guess Firestar's going to show up sooner than planned. Hmm. And we as the audience are like, no, Angelica, that's exactly what he wants. Don't do that. But what else are you going to do when there's like a dinosaur running around in a museum? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, fair. Um, Why did they bring Miss Lion to the show? Because she's there. Miss Lion is there running around. (laughs) Did she not need a ticket? Craven only gave Angelica three tickets, which also, by the way, is a weird number of tickets to give somebody. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want you specifically alone to go on this date with me, kind of, sort of, because I know we're horny for each other. So let's go. Here's three tickets. Okay, whatever. 
I don't know. <laughs> but in that ensuing chaos, Miss Lion, who was there for some reason, um, she hides under an Asian dog statue and the spider friends appear. <laughs> Uh, Bobby and Angelica do their little henshin transformation. <laughs> um, they do it behind an igloo. Makes sense. Um, yep. And a Mesoamerican calendar. Makes sense. It's a, it's a museum. <laughs> um, yeah. Peter just... A sarcophagus opens and Spider-Man is in there, arms crossed and all, and jumps right out. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was really enjoying the details of the scene where, like, Miss Lion is a... Uh you know, a Tibetan dog and, mm-hmm. and is hiding under what we're, I guess we're to presume is a Tibetan dog statue. Um, I didn't get specific because obviously it's a cartoon and not very detailed. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then Bobby transforms by an igloo. Angelica, you know, the, the sort of like Mesoamerican calendar, not quite as on point, but it's a tropical area. I don't right. know. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, Peter just, I don't know. Mummies out of a sarcophagus <laughs> has literally nothing to do with anything. Yep. It's a funny. <laughs> How did he like, change in there? Right, I know, right. It's one of the things I think. Like, if you look at this show as a comedy, like first and foremost, yes. Oh, it you makes have sense. to because it's a very funny. That's a very funny joke. That's a very yes. very funny joke. I love it. Is that yeah. it? Just makes <laughs> not a goddamn lick of sense. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, and while while they're fighting, they have their whole little fight sequence. Meanwhile, uh, uh, Craven's um, friend Skelton uses like a like a horn or a tusk or something, and just cuts a circle into the glass with that. Uh, just like the '90s show, many ways yeah. to go through glass very easily, I guess. And not the last one we'll talk about today. <laughs> Absolutely. If we thought that it was weird how many ways that they cut through or melted glass in the '90s show. They were just paying homage to their predecessors. <laughs> because apparently this is just a thing (laughs) how many ways can we ruin glass (laughs) um yeah well he goes into that with his way that he did it um he's able to (laughs) (laughs) nab that eye of india craven sneaks out the back and then meanwhile spider-man and firestar like flood the museum i don't even i don't know what's happening I think the logic is this is a woolly mammoth and Iceman's powers won't work. So if we can make it really hot, then it will be, quote, defeated. So they flood the museum and then I think Firestar, like, boils the water. But couldn't Firestar just, like, fire cage it? Or, well, I guess because this almost makes too much sense for this show. But (laughs) Iceman was covering him, covering the woolly mammoth with ice that's how he figured out like oh it's a woolly mammoth that knows the ice age so there probably was already a lot of ice already there so just Mm. by by the act of heating the room up melted all that ice that he'd already created i guess i guess they still flood the museum i I know either way (laughs) not doing a good thing (laughs) yeah yeah but but craven sneaks out the back which is really the important piece of this i don't know there's like all kinds of like wacky like comedic things happening in the other room but Craven sneaks out the back, but yeah. not unnoticed because Firestar sees him and is like, that's really weird that we're f- trying to capture these creatures and he's not doing anything about it. Um, so she does follow him um, and she sees Skelton pass that ruby along to Craven, as well as witnessing Craven, you know, do a villainous monologue explaining all of his plans, including the fact that he intends to capture her. <laughs> and I will say this. So this is, I don't like that... So much of this revolves on Angelica being sort of out of the loop and instantly falling for this guy that everybody else seems to think is terrible, that we as an audience know is terrible. I don't like that. 
What I do appreciate is that they allow her to be the one to figure it out, as opposed to being made a fool of and having other people say, see, we told you so. That is very Which true. Very yeah. much could have been where this was going. So I do appreciate that she finds out for herself that Craven is not someone she wants to, to have anything to do with. There's no sort of yeah. like egg on your face, Angelica moment. Yeah, well, because at the very least, like, even though she's in a cage for a while this episode she does have yeah. like, agency throughout it like she is the one making yeah. all the decisions he's not really manipulating her that much she just is like mm, no. oh he's hot and kind of charming oh wait no he's not okay like it's not yeah you know it, that's it yeah that's that's fine it could have been way worse so, so much worse so like bare minimum props for that <laughs> <laughs> yes yes bare minimum props for not doing worse <laughs> <laughs> there goes mr nice guy mm-hmm. <laughs> um meanwhile at the museum it's like unclear but apparently Iceman may have killed the pterosaur yeah what's your theory i don't even remember what he did what did he do <laughs> so Iceman. Uh, he traps the pterosaur in like a large ice cube, basically, and then it drops and falls on the ground. And then we see ice shatter everywhere. So I don't know if, I don't know (laughs) if, uh, the ice around the pterosaur shatters and it is just left lying on the ground. But we do see in the, um, opening of this show, him freeze something and then that something get kicked and shatter. Yeah. So... I feel like Bobby isn't the one to be like, I'm going to preserve life. Like, Yeah. And I don't think we see that dinosaur again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Bobby. So Bobby might have killed a dinosaur, everybody. <laughs> Probably more than likely it was an endangered species. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bobby's a criminal now. <laughs> Big time. Big time. <laughs> At um, this point, technically more of a criminal than Craven, because most people don't even know what Craven did. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> In any case, uh, Firestar confronts Craven, and uh, they have a little mini fight. Craven defeats her with a, <laughs> a heat sensing boomerang with freezing spray. Yeah. <laughs> which, you don't have one of those. I mean, Craven's crafty, <laughs> I guess. He was very came very prepared. So yeah, but he's able to capture her uh, because of that. Because cold is her kryptonite, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, fair. Like, gotta. It's interesting though because Bobby and Angelica have like each other's weaknesses yeah yeah which i mean they even like they poke fun at sometimes in yeah. the show too so that it's interesting i actually think it's kind of a cool dynamic because it's like for as good for each other as they are on a team they're also like kind of toxic to each other in yeah a way, you know yeah 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 it's interesting well uh miss lion like witnesses this happen Mm-hmm. So she has their scent. She does her little like lassie impression, um, trying to uh, lead Spider-Man and Iceman to Firestar. I didn't really understand this, but Craven like releases just some like brown goo stuff <laughs> on the road, like some kind of like stank stuff that yeah. throws her off. I suspect it. It should or is supposed to be some sort of like pheromony type thing, like some sort of hunting scent type stuff. Uh, but it's really just like. A big spooge of goo, like, all over the street. Yeah. Looks like chocolate pudding. We'll put it that way. Yeah. And it it doesn't really... Well, it serves the purpose of giving us a very cool setting in a few scenes. Mm -hmm. uh, But it doesn't really serve much of a purpose other than just, like, throwing them off for a moment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, Firestar wakes up in Craven's lair. It is a naval base hangar. This is another thing that I don't understand. It's like a naval base hangar somehow has like an entire jungle either within it or like right outside of it or something. So he he like offers a half explanation. He basically I think he basically says he set it up. Like he put that in the hangar, but it's also still totally ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole jungle. And it has like volcanoes in it. And it's it's like, <laughs> I would love to see this in real life because it's either way bigger on the inside, a la Doctor Who, or like the walls are just like painted like a jungle and it's actually like not that big. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I don't know which. <laughs> I don't, I don't get, I don't get like what the idea was like from a writer's standpoint for it because I feel like it's like they showed the, the actual real Savage Land at the beginning of the episode and yeah. they basically just recycle the, the set for that. Oh yeah, the background it looks exactly that. like the Savage Land. But it's like, I don't know. I mean, wouldn't it, it would have been just as out there to have him fly her all the way to the Savage Land and then yeah. have Peter and Iceman have to like get an airplane and fly all the way there too and just meet up there and we just have like a time skip in between, you know, like it's just yeah. such an elaborate way just specifically just to have this set basically to have more jungle stuff yeah 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 i think it almost would have been cooler if it just were sort of you know he says that he has it so that he can practice and exercise and basically like get used to the jungle i almost wish it would have like it almost would have been cooler if he had just like a specialized weird gym (laughs) you know that like had like all these weird like half jungle half gym type things and i don't know what that would even look like so there's no way they would have drawn it but yeah <laughs> i'm just imagining like what does craven's gym look like aside yeah. from smelling really bad <laughs> huh. Well, it's weird. Um, this like hangar complete with volcanoes has has like uh well, Firestar does fight back after she wakes up. It's not like yes. she's just immediately like out of it. Like she creates like a whole cage of fire on Craven. He just jumps straight through the bars, which is not the first time that's gonna happen in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> he just jumps right through the bars. Um, Firestar chases after him, and then but he's actually just still tricking her by like using cold again with a geyser with like cold powered air conditioning coming out of it yeah that makes her pass out again which Mm -hmm. this all just kind of feels like it was just they needed to pad out for some time because they could have easily just had her wake up in a cage but you know right because this is only the first of a couple times that she wakes up in the in the lair (laughs) right like they just need they need a couple other times for her to wake up but it does at least show us that like she it's it's interesting because in the 90s episode craven is the one hunting and only when spider-man says i need to become the hunter does he succeed and firestar like immediately pursues um like this version of craven isn't nearly as aggressive as he is defensive and i find that sort of uh interesting i don't know it's interesting I don't know, like, how I feel about it. I don't know if I have strong feelings about it. But it's an interesting thing to observe. Like, most of what he's doing in this one is just responding to the way that they are attacking him. Yeah, well, it's a nice dynamic because I feel like it's almost kind of um, kind of cliche with Craven at this point to just be like, he's a hunter and he's going to hunt you. Like, yeah. it's a different spin on it that I appreciate. And, yeah. all, and all of these sequences do show that, like, Firestar is formidable for him. The only oh, reason- yeah. The only reason that she's losing to him is because he had planned all of this very far in advance specifically for her, specifically right. towards all of her weaknesses. If she just happened to catch him in a crime any other time, she'd probably beat him really easily. So Yeah. Is um we should know this, but I don't know. I certainly don't. Maybe you do. Is Firestar a mutant or is she a mutate? Or like how does she That's how another th- 
that she is a mutant yes she okay, is explicitly okay. a mutant yeah so i'm very curious then to know like what her mutant power level is because this show at least treats her like she's very powerful mm-hmm. i mean to a certain degree like when it's convenient they do yeah but she's she is at least meant to be understood as very very powerful certainly the most powerful i think of of the three in this show, even though Iceman, I think, is technically, like, Omega level something, blah, blah, blah. I don't know all the terminology for X-Men, but... Yeah, but he's also dumb in this yeah. show, so... Balances out. He's an idiot. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think yeah. she's definitely the, the, the most powerful one. Yeah, yeah, I think that checks out. After we see this first sort of pursuit and pass out thing, we get to see where Ms. Lion actually led Iceman and Spider-Man. And it's very cool. Like, I, it doesn't make any sense that they were directed in another direction. Like, it doesn't make any sense that they're on this detour. But I can't be mad because they go to a place called Stan's Pet Store, which is very obviously Stan Lee's pet store. Yeah. And there's also, like, a stack of Incredible Hulk comic books, like, sitting on the counter, which is the second Incredible Hulk sighting in this episode alone i don't know it's very it's just it's yeah, kind of cute it's very cute i like it a lot <laughs> yeah yeah what i like a little bit less though is like this weirdly this weird way that they figure out where craven is is yeah on that stack of comic books spider-man just so happens to see a magazine that just so happens to have craven on the cover <laughs> just so happens to have craven pictured next to a plane that spider-man just so happens to know exactly where that plane would be kept yeah this okay. magazine should have existed somewhere earlier in the episode or a flyer mm. with that same picture or something yeah. that would have made all of this feel so much better to me because then it would have been like one of those clues that had been laid that they're like, wait a second, you know? Yeah. That's just like the first episode where like, if this episode had one more rewrite, like you, it would be so much better. Like you can almost tell that they were kind of just writing it as they went along and then we're like, okay, turn it in. We're done. Like you could have very easily gotten to this plot point and then added, yeah, like you said, like kind of added a clue or, or something to set up that plot point earlier on when we went back. But like, I feel like they really only have like one or two drafts of these episodes yeah. and that's it. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's weird. It's like, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting to try to like get a sense of, of what the, like to get a sense of these episodes, like what the feel of these episodes is, the flow and the rhythm and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's very, very strange. And I get the same sense, like. I don't know that they really had somebody going through and being like, okay, but can we talk about this for a moment? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if someone was asking some of those critical questions. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but that at least puts them back on the trail um, and gets them right back into the plot. Yep. (laughs) Firestar, again, for like the second or third time, (laughs) wakes up. And she's uh, still in Craven's lair. Now she's in a cage that releases freezing cold spray anytime she uses her powers. Yes. He kind of explains to her a little more in detail that, like, he needs her to be his power source, yada, 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 and that Mm -hmm. she's going to help him um, once her, uh, she'll help when his friends are there, and he's going to hold them hostage or whatever. So he knows, he knows that Iceman and Spider-Man are on their way, which then kind of makes the whole deal with him, like, trying to get Miss Lion off of his scent kind of weird, because he ended up ultimately needing them to be there in the first place. Ooh, good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, do, it it ties together everything Craven's doing except for that, because at least at least you can sit there and say like, okay, if he's in sort of defense mode, it's because he knows he knows his quote prey is going to pursue him, and so he's he set everything up with that in mind. But yeah, mm-hmm. se- sending them off the trail doesn't actually fit into that at all, unless yeah. he just like needs more time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That I guess that's probably all it is is that he knew he would need a little more time, and he's like, they'll they'll figure out where I am eventually. They're superheroes. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, it's just a little weak. 
Mm-hmm. There's a cool shot. This there's two shots like this in these in both of these episodes or between both of these episodes. There's like a close up of Craven's eye. Yeah. I think it's like as he's telling Firestar about his plan and then Firestar in the cage is like reflected in it. Yeah. I mean, again, nothing like amazing or anything, but it's just kind of cool for a show like this which is pretty yeah. pretty basic with the with its shots and its storyboards and stuff. So, it's pretty neat. Yeah, this show likes iframes. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> <laughs> it's three out of three, I think. <laughs> or at least two oh, out of two. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, the goblin one has the mm-hmm. flashback in his eye. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, Iceman and Spider-Man, and as well as Ms. Lion, uh, do arrive at Craven's hangar. Craven, alerted to their arrival, because he still has his buddy Skelton sort of helping him out, uh, takes another special jungle potion and captures all three of our newly arrived heroes. Um, Iceman and Spider-Man are put into cages that are specifically dangerous to them. So Spider-Man is in an electric cage, uh, one that will shock him anytime he uh, touches the the bars. Um, And Iceman is put into a cage above a volcano with also, I guess, like, heat bars <laughs> i have a question <laughs> about iceman specifically i know exactly what you're gonna ask go <laughs> so this <laughs> iceman and this is a question that reflects a question you asked <laughs> i think about venom perhaps yep 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 <laughs> iceman when he transforms is fully clothed and suddenly when he doesn't have his powers he is not clothed save right. for you know covering his delicate bits yeah so is this is he in the in, this question will have to be a two-parter because it, it will be furthered in the second episode we discussed today but is he is he yes. is he almost naked because he is still technically transformed but he's like quote melted out of his powers or That's... like like why does he not have clothes on That's my And where read... did the clothes go Yes <laughs> That's my read on it is because when after he gets his powers back in this episode when he's just away from the heat the the ice just kind of like just kind of like crossfades back onto him like, yeah, he doesn't like transform all over again right so yeah my my take i guess would be like like the equivalent to like okay if a, a power ranger has powered up but their helmet gets, gets taken off and then theoretically like their suit gets all tattered and everything mm. in a fight they still have all of their powers they're still powered up they're just like in a different like state and then ha- if they power down their clothes will probably not be as like torn up necessarily um when they because because they've had a full transformation yeah hmm. so i think it's the same case where like he's still technically quote-unquote powered up or transformed it's just like this is like a depowered version of that where he he can't keep the ice up but there's a lot of questions of, of like okay so what is his body that we're looking at right yeah. now where did his clothes go are his clothes well, like <laughs> what is this and and Put a pin in that because there's more to this question once we get to uh, episode three. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Where I think we could have answered the question here, but it is further complicated later. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so they're in their cages, um, and just like Craven expected, Firestar does agree to help um, because now her friends are in danger, um, and in certainly more danger than than she is because Craven is willing to let her out to help him. So he lets her out. Firestar does begin the process of hatching and maturing the dinosaurs. Um, the first one that we see, and technically the only one we see, is a Tyrannosaurus Rex. That's the one that we had mentioned earlier that we were going to see. Um, and as she finishes that, while Craven is distracted, Spider-Man uses his webs to help Iceman escape. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. 
<laughs> so basically, he he like uses his webs to bend two of the bars, and then uses his webs again to make like a bridge that allows Iceman to like get out of the cage. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Sure. You know, I, yeah, that's one of those things where I'm like, I'm not, I can't, I can't, I, I have a limit to like how many things I can question <laughs> with like logic brain. <laughs> sure. We'll buy it. Why not? Yeah, that's fair. There's a T-Rex in the scene, so we've got better stuff to worry about. Ab- absolutely. I, I do. I like that, like Firestar's announcement about when the T-Rex, like after he's grown up and they've escaped, She's like, hey, guys, look what I did. Like, Why she's is she so, so excited? She's so proud. I mean, yeah. to, you know, you know, it's like if I grew a T-Rex, even if that was a bad thing, it would still be pretty cool that I grew a T-Rex. Like no one else is ever going to have that story. So, All right. <laughs> and they are like, they're superheroes. They've just escaped. They've got their powers back. Like they're probably feeling, feeling better about the situation. Yeah. Adrenaline's pumping. Yeah. Yeah. It's a ridiculous line read. I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I can appreciate, even if it's very confusing and makes no sense, I do appreciate all of their very unique line reads. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so that T-Rex is uh, is out. It's uh, It attacks. It knocks Ice Iceman over the side of a volcano, and that causes the volcano to erupt, I guess? Oh, 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 this is the physics. This is the thing I need to understand. So, Iceman makes these little paths of ice, right? Mm-hmm. The reason he falls is because he makes this big, like, spiral path, and the T-Rex, like, breaks it halfway through. And then the whole thing collapses, <laughs> which goes completely against how I thought. And, and I'm pretty confident I understand the way that uh, Iceman's ice paths work. So we, I don't know that we need to examine it too much further, but yeah. I would like a full report on the physics, please. <laughs> um, I won't be the one to do that, but... Uh... Somebody get at me. <laughs> Someone can, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So that happens. The volcano ero- erupts. Firestar, uh, she's like, we'll see how hot I, I really am. Which again, you can take what is an innuendo probably. Yeah. <laughs> but she's able to like superheat the magma, like extra heat it up. I, what would, I don't actually, I want to know what the science like for real is would be like how yeah. if you got magma, like the peak heat, like as hot as anything in the world could ever be like what would happen to it like yeah. what it is there a point where it'll be burn like hot enough to just like burn it into nothing or like burn it to a crisp or just evaporate it or something <laughs> i don't really so, so i don't know because i don't know the actual temperature of magma i don't know if it's like actually the hottest thing on the surface of the planet or if that if i if it's not that hot or what mm-hmm. um the only reference that i have in my mind is like pizza cheese <laughs> Like, if you heat pizza cheese, it gets hot and it gets, like, like uh, gooey, right? Uh-huh. But if you continue to heat it, it eventually burns and just crumbles. <laughs> yeah. So, like, is that what's happening here? Yeah. Um, I'm down with that. Let's just go with that. The magma <laughs> is pizza cheese. Like, she just keeps heating it and it just can't can't take it anymore? I also appreciate that it's specifically pizza cheese, not just cheese in general, but only cheese that's on pizza. Well, because here's why. (laughs) Because if I'm making a pizza in the oven and I'm the one putting the cheese on it, I'm confident that there's always going to be a little bit of cheese that ends up on the pan. And that's the stuff I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Oh, I eat that stuff. I love it. Crispy (laughs) cheese. That's my favorite. But you know exactly now, like, what kind of cheese I'm I'm envisioning. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) 
So yeah, <laughs> let's go with that. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, she saves Iceman that way, whether it's scientifically accurate or not, on this very scientifically accurate show. Yes. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> Miss Lion, another case of, of of escaping out of her cage just by squeezing through the bars. Yeah. <laughs> not a very well designed cage, I guess. No. <laughs> she uh, yeah, and by the way, Miss Lion is there and also held captive. Um, <laughs> she escapes from the cage. The T Rex nearly stomps on her, but Spider Man saves her. Um, he's there. He's nearly eaten the process. Like the '90s show, another case of of like this weird like half a second where they're like, Spider Man died, and <laughs> everyone's sh- even Craven has a little like shocked reaction. He's like, Oh God, I yeah. didn't, I didn't want that to happen. <laughs> it's tradition, though. Yeah, but it's like half a second before Spider-Man just bursts out of the T-Rex's mouth. And he has a line. I don't, it probably isn't anything that great. I don't even remember what it is. But he, he's basically <laughs> having the work together. I guess, does he does he point them out to the tar pit from there? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think he points out the tar pit. I don't yeah. know why there's a tar pit, but there's a tar pit. <laughs> yeah, why would Craven put a tar pit in his own like faux know. jungle ha- hangar that has a working volcano? <laughs> hmm. Do you think he has like a quicksand pit too? Then, like, he just has like lots of dangerous things that he could himself be trapped by. <laughs> oh, how could you not? I mean, I guess I guess, so, yeah. I guess if he uses this like a training place, like he's yeah, gonna want all sense. the most dangerous things. So yeah. actually, that kind of makes sense. All right. Yeah, but yeah, they they get an idea. They they plan to get the T Rex to the tar pit essentially. So between all their like fire and ice stuff making it slide on the ice and making it like you know getting it pushed into the tar pit basically with fire and everything yes. um <laughs> we get we get the uh, the t-rex pushed into uh the tar pit to uh potentially meet a very slow and painful death yeah it's so sad <laughs> it's i was really sad in that i was like dude don't just like kill him he didn't ask yeah. for this it's like that's rude. awful rude that's like one of the worst sort of like here's how the dinosaurs all died type of thing they all fell into tar pits i know so sad it's okay he, he'll get better spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> craven like pole vaults <laughs> he does <laughs> he really really does i mean i guess it's a clever way to get height on spider-man sort of to tackle him yeah, i mean I guess. Sh- sure why not why not you're craven he's always pretty extra Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, but he does, he uses he pole vaults to tackle Spider Man. Spider Man uh, tosses Craven into the tar pit right alongside that Tyrannosaurus. The Spider Friends do choose to save the T Rex. Thankfully, um, they shrink it back into a little baby with the uh, with the growth and larger. They are merciful after all, and that yes. little baby T Rex is very 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 cute. Craven. They don't show them saving Craven, but I assume that they don't just let him die in a tar pit. That would be a little dark. Well, they couldn't let him die because the the episode, oh. you know, ends with Bobby paying Aunt May. And we're pretty sure that he's paying her with Craven's money. Oh, yes. Didn't <laughs> set that up. Yes. Craven's like, please, I'll do anything. Save me. I'll do anything. And, and Iceman's like, will you give me $50, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he has $50. So I yeah. have to assume. Yeah. They, they pulled him out enough to, to pull the cash out of his crotch. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so how... How does that cash smell? Yeah. <laughs> um, that is oh. some dank money. <laughs> oh my God, right? <laughs> uh, I almost forgot to, there's one point when they do destroy like uh, the computer that Skelton was using to help Craven with all of his technological whatevers. The way that Iceman destroys it is by like just freezing it and then it just explodes. For some reason. Oh, I don't even, yeah. why don't it, why, why don't I remember this? <laughs> it freezes into a block and uh-huh. then it just 
the, the shatters, on, shatters its own. on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And I think they even have like an explosion, like kind of sound effect with it. <laughs> Why not? Of course. <laughs> That's what ice does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Aunt May is there with them at the hangar at some point for this little like epilogue for some reason. All of them Oh, is that there. where they are? <laughs> yeah. Cause they're, aren't they right? Cause I see like the plane, the plane leaving. So oh, I think they're wow. at that hangar. So Aunt May just like drives up to join them there. She just <laughs> really needs that rent money. <laughs> She will hunt you down. (laughs) Or does she? Because Mm. Bobby, he does offer to give her the rent now that he has it, which I guess he did get it from Craven. She teases him for being forgetful because he's already paid it. Um, Angelica and Peter took care of it because they're all friends. Yeah, and they just let him be stressed out about it for like, (laughs) I don't know, a couple days. Jerks. Right. (laughs) Also, well, but then it's like, how long had this gone on? So like when Aunt May had chastised him the first time, he hadn't paid it. So then they paid her after that, I guess. Like in the in-between time. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't tracking the timeline of the rent (laughs) payments, unfortunately. Unfortunately, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the episode asks you to pay so much attention to it. I know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, which which if she's not hunting him down, then that raises the question of why is she at the hangar with them right now? <laughs> oh, boy. I, I, can't, I can't even begin to answer. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. A few too many questions for this episode. Yeah. Yeah, but that's how it ends. <laughs> Despite that, like, what do, you, what do you think of this episode? Oh, dude. I, I mean, I love this show. This show is so... <laughs> oh, my God. It's, so much fun. It's so... Okay, the thing I love about it is that, like, there is not one, like, lick of irony in this show. It is so charmingly, like, I don't know. Oh, I feel like there's a word I'm looking for. But it's just, like, it's doing it's what it's doing. It's very sincere in the very things sincere. that it's doing. Yeah, it's very sincere. It is just, like, we're weird. We're just going to pull out every the weirdest comic book stuff you can. We know it doesn't have to make sense. But you know what? As long as it's fun and funny, that's what counts. And I think that's true because it's none of this stuff makes any goddamn sense like, at any point. It's weird. It's kind of dumb. But like no one's trying to wink at you and pretend that they're being smart. Like it, it knows exactly what it is. Yeah, I think the types of things in this show that don't make sense are fine for me because it's never trying to be very serious. No one yeah. is, is trying to say like, all right, now hunker down because this one's a doozy. Like they're just doing things that they think are funny or that they think are cool. Yeah. And they earnestly believe that those things are funny and cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. It's admirable. Earnest. You know? That's the word I was looking for. It's really yeah. earnest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's not something you really ever get very much because I feel like every every superhero media now has to be a little bit self-aware, a little bit meta. Like, yeah, we know this is weird. We know this is silly, but, you know, just just go with us. And this yeah. is still kind of in that in that phase, like in that era, I guess, of superhero stuff where it's like, it's okay to be cheesy because it is just a comic book show. Yeah, yeah, I like this one a lot too. Yeah, so I have... For both of these episodes that we're talking about, I have two faces of the episode because in each case, there's one that is a clear, like, just animation mistake. And I don't (laughs) love just highlighting those, but they're so good that they have to. So one, like, just kind of regular weird face that someone does and then one actual mistake. The regular face for this episode, I just really liked when uh, Firestar is first being very smitten with Craven. Iceman is just, like, so dismayed looking at her. He has his hand on his face, and he's just, like, so worried about Firestar. It's just, like, a quick shot at it. I just like it. I think it's really cute. He's just, he's absolutely crushed emotionally. He is. He is. Because he really needed her to be his beard. (laughs) 
<laughs> very true. Very, very true. He's like, now, how do I hide my feelings? <laughs> the other image is also Bobby. <laughs> it's, it's this, like, it's not even, like, quick shot. Like, it actually oh. lasts for a little bit. It's right after uh, Aunt May is chastising him for not paying the rent. And... I don't know, like, what happened, like, the way his eyes, whatever, like, level that was, uh, like, didn't align with, like, the animation cell or something. I don't know how that works. Either way, his eyes are, like, barely attached to his face. They're, like, extremely big. And <laughs> he also Some, looks... like, very lizard people type yes. eye situation going on. <laughs> Bobby, yes, lizard person Bobby. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's kind of haunting and i i'm just staring into it now and i don't know what's gonna happen next (laughs) i need to scroll away (laughs) what's gonna happen next is things are gonna get a whole lot weirder (laughs) oh my goodness everybody like grab a glass of water get up take a walk around hug your pets do whatever you need to do because this episode that we're about to talk about next is ridiculous (laughs) sit down for this (laughs) okay any are there any final thoughts on the first episode because we need to be fully committed (laughs) yeah um not no not really okay let's do this no 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 no. i'm so ready (laughs) okay so obviously the second episode that we're talking about is um spider-man and his amazing friends episode three and this one is entitled the fantastic mr frump and i think that this one seems maybe like it has a level of infamy and and maybe a reputation around it i'm not sure i definitely found a couple articles that cited it as like uh alongside very ridiculous things that have happened in superhero media so <laughs> it's, it's not just us for sure <laughs> fair <laughs> here's the the synopsis from imdb um it says mr frump a downtrodden homeless man gets a hold of an ancient amulet that dr doom had hoped to use to gain control of the world as frump is realizing the amulet's powers and making many new friends as a result dr doom plots to trick frump into handing over the amulet i mean sounds like innocent enough that's technically an accurate <laughs> summary i don't think it does this episode justice but no. uh also additional detail on the homelessness had no yeah. idea yeah i don't think that's really implied in the episode <laughs> but i mean nope I'm sure i guess i'll buy it <laughs> sure i don't know <laughs> who's responsible for this i need to know <laughs> yeah <laughs> this episode's original air date was september 26 1981 um this is also another interesting writer credit this was written by christy marks who was the creator she's responsible she is she's responsible, responsible. <laughs> <laughs> um well first of all always cool whenever you have a woman writer on a, on yes. a superhero show that's not that's still to this day not super duper common she is the creator of gem in the holograms dang yeah yeah i mean that's a big deal like that was huge that was huge just a couple of years after that i think and she also created a show that i'd never heard of but apparently ran for a good long time called uh called hypernauts it's hypernauts it's another cartoon or maybe not a long time Hmm. but like ran it wasn't it wasn't like a a quick one and done thing like it had run a little bit so 
She also has written on Spider-Man, the 1981 show. She wrote on the uh, 1978 Fantastic Four cartoon. She wrote on G.I. Joe. She wrote on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. She wrote on the, uh, I think, one episode of the 80s Twilight Zone reboot. Oh. She wrote on Babylon 5. Oh. She wrote on Reboot, like hmm. the show Reboot. She also wrote the freaking most sad episode of Beast Wars ever, um, episode called Transmutate, which like messed me up as a kid. Like, oh, hard. boy. um yeah yeah Uh, i will never forget that episode and that voice anybody who's ever seen that see that show knows what i'm talking about i need to meet this human being (laughs) can i still Uh, meet her is she still alive uh you know i didn't i'm not sure i feel like she is because i don't think she was that like old when she was okay so I'm, i'm i'm sure that she is and she's also she's done much much more than that but those are just kind of her greatest hits so um yeah so a writer with quite a pedigree on this (laughs) <laughs> episode yeah <laughs> this, yeah this episode <laughs> and it is a creation it is a yes. maybe a masterpiece i'm not sure yet <laughs> i don't it's it's a whole other level <laughs> <laughs> all right so the the major characters introduced in this we already mentioned them in the synopsis um obviously uh dr victor von doom who is portrayed by shepherd menken who i was surprised um wasn't a bigger personality uh, or a bigger performer um, given the the character that he was playing. Um, he, you know, did plenty of voices, but I don't know that he really ever led anything. Um, he did voices in the Lone Ranger, uh, the Plastic Man comedy adventure show, uh, which Robert Ridgely from the previous episode also did voices for Saturday Supercade and Alvin and the Chipmunks. So a number of uh, like full series, but additional voices type credits. And then uh, Mr. Frump, <laughs> who was uh, voiced by Alan Young, who is a very big deal. Um, he played uh, Wilbur Post in Mr. Ed, which is the show about the talking horse <laughs> and was was the voice of Scrooge McDuck for over 30 years. What? And uh, yeah, yeah. Not the not the originator, but certainly the longest running uh, voice actor for Scrooge McDuck and was credited as recently as 2016, which I think is also uh, the year that he died. So he was playing Scrooge McDuck like until he croaked, you know? Wow. <laughs> it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. He also hosted his own radio and television series called The Alan Young Show uh, over the course of the 40s and 50s. Sounds like it probably had a few different iterations across radio and television. It sounds very cool. I kind of want to check out how that worked. But also has just tons and tons of other credits, including playing two main characters on Battle of the Planets, which was a Gotcha Man adaptation. Uh, He was in the 80s Incredible Hulk. Uh, He was also in the same Plastic Man, Saturday Supercade, and Alvin shows as Mencken. Um, He played a number of Smurfs in the 80s smurf series he was dr mcdonald in static shock and he was harvey's adopt a grandparent mr barry in sabrina the teenage witch whoa i don't remember that episode so that is the episode where they go to like a elderly home and libby decides uh that helping the elderly is cool so that all the other people will help volunteer okay I think maybe like Sabrina turns into Libby and says that helping elderly people is cool. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. (laughs) It was season one. Jenny was still there. So it's probably a little fuzzy for folks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Season one's where my weak spot is for that show for sure. I need to do a re. I want to do a full rewatch of it. It's on Hulu and it's worth it. Oh, I watch, I watch random episodes of it. I watched, I watched, uh, not to go on a whole Sabrina tangent. 
I Why went, not? Uh, yeah, because I, I watched, like, just random, like, season three ones, like, recently. The Before that, I did, I accidentally ended up falling to rewatch. Like, I had watched a specific one from season four, like, yeah. a couple of years ago, and then just kept watching and then watched, like, all the way through oh, the yeah. rest of it. Um, I'm, in a, so, I'm in a rewatch right now, and that's about yeah. where I am, is, is season four. Like, Coffee Shop exists, nice. and Clock uh, Shop exists. Uh, I love, I love, yeah. I love, I actually... Like, probably unpopular opinion. I like the Harvey-Josh triangle with her. I feel like both uh-huh. of them were pretty... Well, I don't feel like Josh was that great of a boyfriend. But anyway, <laughs> um, I liked I liked the dynamic there. But yeah, if I ever... If I do another... If I do, like, another podcast, I would want it to be a Sabrina the Teenage Witch rewatch nice. podcast. So, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> that would be very worth it. That would be very, very worth it. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Well, speaking of magical shenanigans... Ooh, um, good segue. Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, This episode that we're talking about starts at the Royal Embassy of Latveria, um, where Dr. Doom is sending his assistant, Boris, lots of uh, interesting assistants in these these episodes, sending his assistant, Boris, to retrieve the final piece of an unnamed magical amulet that will give him the power of the universe, which basically means it'll make him all-powerful. There aren't really any sort of parameters on this, just sort of the power of the universe. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I should also note that if you if you are somebody who is like a fantastic Mr. Frump expert, this episode jumps back and forth between two plot lines at a very rapid pace. <laughs> and so the way that we are going to recap it is not exactly scene for scene jumping back and forth. Cool. So like there are some scenes that have been sort of clumped together because recapping it the way that it actually is portrayed would be pure insanity. <laughs> yeah, this is an extremely weirdly fast-paced episode for this yes. show, which is a very it it was definitely more reminiscent of the 90s show than it was yes. Amazing Friends in how how quickly it went back, how short all of its scenes are, <laughs> even yes. like and how inconsequential a lot of those short scenes are, especially oh, right yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so these will be sort of like 2 to 3 scenes clumped together because i promise you it would it would have been absolute chaos if we tried to do it like scene by scene so the reason i bring that up is because i'm already gonna jump like as early as this so boris retrieves the amulet piece from the museum and here's more glass shenanigans right he melts the glass with some sort of like fancy glass contract like melter contraption thing it's sort of like almost like a james bond pen but it melts glass um and then he does bring that amulet back to dr doom so that's sort of the first chunk of the Doctor Doom part. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He wants the amulet, he gets the amulet. Yep, gets it pretty quickly, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, um, there's a really very super fast scene of Peter just, like, running... Um, I think it was just the obligatory, like, Miss Lion scene, because yeah. it does nothing other than Peter quickly running away, gets his umbrella, Miss Lion tries to bring his umbrella, and, like, falls, and it's cute, and that's it. Um, <laughs> because it's not quite a pointless setup, because immediately after that, we see the spider friends leaving a basketball game. Yep. They're carrying, like, white flags for some reason, so did their <laughs> team, like, forfeit? <laughs> I don't know. They're, like, really proud of giving up. <laughs> Like, we lost on our own terms. Yeah. <laughs> but they run into Mr. Frump, uh, who is this down on his luck man. Um, Peter knows him. They witness him getting fired. Um, apparently, he gets fired a lot. He gets fired for being a quote-unquote daydreamer. <laughs> Which seems like such an outdated thing to... Like, I don't know why that seems to be a thing that 
that isn't foreign to me. Like, I feel like I've seen other media where people are yeah. either fired or, like, kicked out of somewhere for, like, daydreaming. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not clear what the actual job was. So, I mean, nope. I don't like, I assume it had to be something where he is, like, has to pay attention and he's not paying attention. Sure. So, he, he gets fired. He's literally, like, kicked onto his butt, like, on the sidewalk. And Peter recognizes him. He recognizes how he helped Aunt May with odd jobs, but then got fired from that. I don't know how you just get fired from odd jobs unless you're really bad <laughs> at it. Um, or, or maybe Aunt May fired him and he's just like, uh. not smart enough to realize that. Um, because he recalls a lot of a fondness for Aunt May. He says that she was the only person that was ever nice to him, which implies that Peter wasn't very nice to him, I guess. Yeah, I guess it does. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Well, as we see, most people aren't very nice to Mr. Frump, so I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Um, we do get a brief scene back at the embassy where Dr. Doom explains that he is intending to mix the ancient with the new science with sorcery in order to extract the powers of the amulet. I We've... love that so much. Yeah. That's cool. We've sort of got a little bit of an explanation from him. We know that there's some sort of incantation. We know that there has to be certain conditions that are met. It seems like the storm that is sort of brewing is part of that. And what he's doing is he's setting up sort of like a satellite dish that's in some way supposed to enhance or direct or, you know, something. Like, mm-hmm. But he's mixing technology with ancient ancient magic. Yeah. Felt very gargoyles to me. They did a yeah. lot of that. Well, I, 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 you got to get me to watch that show because I was going to be like, yeah, definitely. But I have no idea, actually. <laughs> That's actually like, <laughs> it's almost like a lot. It's almost like beat for beat like line that they have at one point where there's oh, like, okay. science and sorcery so <laughs> yeah uh it's a great show you should watch if i'm i'm sure it'll be on disney plus when that comes yeah out. so that'll be and i at this point it. i'm totally resigned to the fact that i will be subscribing to disney plus <laughs> me too <laughs> <laughs> just, i can't help it i've been craving watching all of the star wars movies and i'm pretty certain they're gonna put all the star wars movies on there so i, I mean <laughs> anyway anyway the spider friends we are talking about spider friends (laughs) so for no real reason the spider friends decide to race home other than you know angelica says like i'll race you and you know who can resist that so they're racing home and uh spidey decides that he needs a shortcut because the other two are much faster than him i guess so he finds himself via you know web slinging and stuff on the satellite tower that dr doom was setting up so that's kind of where the two paths converge and he sees that dr doom is doing something with some sort of summoning circle um and has something going on he even makes a comment to say like i don't know what dr doom is doing but it probably needs to be undone um so spider-man tries to stop dr doom from doing whatever it is he sees him doing he does this by tripping him and dr doom drops the amulet onto the ground um this is all happening like in the middle of the summoning so dr doom's like receiving the powers from some sort of he keeps referring to like a uh like a ray or something but it's basically like he needs lightning to strike and before the amulet can actually like bestow the powers on him he drops it that's like where it gets dropped in the in the in in this timeline or whatever yeah like he's waiting for like the because it, it, like the magic or whatever like creates a beam that will come out of the sky yes and it's in a certain amount of time and whoever's holding that amulet um, yes will get the powers of that the beam will hit them so it's like multiple stages right like the the incantation like activates the magic or whatever and then it almost acts like a beacon and then like you have to be holding on to it and get like struck <laughs> Right. Kind of by this beam. So there's multiple steps and he gets interrupted by Spider-Man in between steps. Yes. So the, 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 the amulet is now magic, but nobody has the magic. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick. I don't, <laughs> there's a, so much to talk about in this episode, so I don't want to like backtrack all the time. <laughs> but one thing I would be remiss if I didn't point out when they're, when a fire, the, the spider friends are getting ready to do their little race. I love this uh-huh. little one 
one of the very few self-aware moments in this show where uh, Firestar and Iceman do their Henshin transformation. And <laughs> I guess Henshin means transformation. So transformation, transformation. They do yeah. their Henshin. But we, then we cut to Peter, who's like in the middle of taking his clothes off in the middle of the street. He's like, excuse me, I have to do it the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they are absolutely transforming just in the middle of the street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love that Peter calls out like, you guys have a cool, like this cool transformation yeah. sequence. I literally have to take all of my clothes off, find somewhere to put those clothes and it's (laughs) like come on guys (laughs) yep have a little have a little understanding please (laughs) right (laughs) Uh. anyway fast forward back um Well, Spider-Man, after seeing this happen, reunites with Iceman and Firestar and basically says, like, we got to find Doctor Doom and we need to stop Doctor Doom. So that's kind of how they all end up uh, involved. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man tells them that they need to uh, they need to get the amulet away. They don't want they don't want Doom to use his amulet, which prompts Iceman to say, we don't want Doom to have his morning eggs. <laughs> so dumb. He's so dumb. So dumb. <laughs> But it, I, I kind of like that. I, I don't have a lot of faith that this will be like a very, very strong thread. But I hope that he keeps just like mishearing or misunderstanding words because that would be <laughs> such a funny like characteristic for him to have. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. That's good. Yeah. Easy way to have him be dumb without it like it really yeah. impacting the plot at all. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so they start to find Doctor Doom. Um, Meanwhile, we cut to Mr. Frump. He walks by as the amulet lands on the sidewalk. So, of course, he has the amulet now. He picks it up right as the beam comes down. So he, we presume, gains some kind of special powers, but he doesn't know that yet. When he gets hit by that beam, he drops the amulet because he's startled. It breaks into four very clean pieces. Um, (laughs) He's like, oh, darn, everything bad happens to me. I break everything I touch and he walks off and just leaves it in the road and we'll come back to that amulet later but he goes to a shop to immediately apply for a job he is immediately rejected for literally no reason the guy yep. just doesn't want him to be there doesn't even want to give him an application because mr frump is living some kind of kafka-esque existence where where this universe <laughs> just just is constantly dunking on him he is just in a, yeah. like a, a, a magnet like a, a, a lightning rod for bad luck, essentially. Mm-hmm. Except when he tells the man to bug off, the man literally turns into a bug. Speaking of Kafka-esque. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <Good>. Nice. Bravo. <laughs> Um, which is terrifying if you really think about it. There's a lot of implications of this episode like, <sighs> that are f- absolutely frightening and <laughs> makes me very happy that, spoiler alert, like everyone's memory is wiped of everything. Oh, because yeah. Because the implications of it otherwise are, are terrifying. Oh, yeah. Yes. And we start to see it very, very quickly because uh, Mr. Frump begins to, to realize that he has some sort of power after making these two like real shithead kids jump into a lake and then turns a third kid into a clam like a giant so, like, clam yeah Ugh. giant clam they're like so they're making fun of him with a rhyme that they've clearly used before because it's like a whole little jingle about how much he sucks and he literally tells two of them like oh go jump in a lake you know and so they do and then tells the other one like clam up which i don't even think is a thing anyone says but then like he sees this happen and is like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. I did that. That's what I kind of love about it is that it almost utilizes the show's weird, weird turns of phrases and weird humor and insults people give. Yeah. And it's like, okay. I mean, like, think like 
anything that they said in the first episode, I know there's one point where Angelica is like, about time, turkeys, they would turn into turkeys. Like, yeah. These, yeah. <laughs> like it's actually so kind, true. Of, kind of genius, actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that. But yeah, so now he realizes he has some sort of powers, or he suspects it at the very least. And so he tests his powers um, after, well, he says hot dog, another exclamation, and then he ends up with a hot dog. So he, te- he, he tests out his powers by adding the perfect condiment combination clearly he's a chicago guy there's no ketchup to be seen on that on that hot dog <laughs> when we first see the hot dog it's also all bun color yeah too. that was weird <laughs> yeah it was real gross yeah but yeah it, it ends up fixed he ends up with an actual hot dog colored hot dog and some condiments he's a mustard and relish kind of guy if you're curious and that's, then proceeds uh, that's what i like too that's my yeah? favorite actually mm-hmm. oh yeah. You would, uh, you could make it in Chicago. Oh, nice. Good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so he then decides like, okay, I have power. And he just like proceeds to do stuff. He's <laughs> just like, all right, let's do this. Yeah. He makes himself like a really nice outfit. Um, he summons this really extravagant horse-drawn carriage. It, this is where it gets, uh, immediately weird. He mm-hmm. decides that those shithead kids that he already did terrible things to are now going to be his like servants and drive mm-hmm. his carriage and, uh, just basically like sit there dead-eyed in his <laughs> little carriage uh, until he gives them something to do it's creepy he turns on a dime like he yes. becomes a villain so quickly <laughs> and i mean yes and the thing is i'm not and that's not that is not a criticism like i actually think no the way that it's written kind of checks out where it's like this dude who again it's like has it has this weird penchant for the universe just being out for him for no reason and from the looks of it, has just been like that his entire life. It's like, yeah. oh, now he's literally a god. Of course he's gonna, gonna be... I mean, he's clearly, like, mad at the world at this point. Of course yeah. he's just gonna be a creepazoid, you know? Yeah, and all the things that he does right off the bat are things that are either self-serving or sort of vengeful. And and given what we just saw, like, makes sense. You yeah. know, like, it did, nothing he's doing is... Like, it's, it's, it's weird and it's scary, but it's not out of character given how he's been set up. Right. And then, then, <laughs> I think this is also creepy, but not because of what he does, but how he does. He um, summons himself a special friend that he can have forever and ever, which is a cat. I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. But then he goes, he says, and I think I'll call you Mabel. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he says it in like, he says it in like the creepiest way ever. And every time he says mabel's name in this show he will say it that way it makes me feel like i want to know like frump's whole history because it almost sounds like <laughs> like did, was mabel like his mother or like secret lover that like he murdered know. or something or like some weird he's, like, history flashing back every time he says yeah. it so he like turns his head and is like mabel yeah, <laughs> yeah. mr frump is a very interesting character like oh, i say that with not man. a drip of sarcasm or irony or anything he is a legit really interesting strange but like complex character that i would love to just dig into yeah and i suspect he doesn't appear ever again oh god i'm, I'm sure yeah he's, but, he's, but i wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he did in some capacity because i do think this episode is at least known for being so bizarre and i could see there being some writer out there who watched this episode growing up and was like whatever happened to mr frump that dude was effed up like and brought him back you know what i mean like i wouldn't be surprised yeah that's true but i don't know i don't think he i don't think he comes back though 
Yeah, I would I would write that. I would write that Mr. Frump origin story. <laughs> oh my gosh, for real. For real. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so Mr. Frump is, is definitely like, he's aware of his powers and he's testing them out and he's doing things for himself. And he's like, he's just, you know, feeling himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, um, the spider friends and Dr. Doom, they do find the amulet in the, uh, in the road. Um, since there are a neat four pieces, there's four people right there. So they each take a piece. Um, they try to fight it out, attempting to out superpower one another. Doom uses a uh, sonic. Well, I want to point out Doom has instant refrigeration <laughs> to uh, stop uh, Firestar's uh, <laughs> attack on him. I will never claim to know very much about Doctor Doom at all. Oh, I don't either. I don't. I don't <laughs> understand. I, I mean, I I understand that he's a big deal. Yeah. I I've never I've never read enough fantastic four yeah. i've never seen enough stuff with him in it so like people are like oh yeah he should be the next like mcu big bad and i'm like i mean sure i thought i mean he just seems like a dictator in like an iron suit but i mean if you say so i guess he's a big deal well i, I think <laughs> actually i think the way that you just described it would work super well for mcu i think what i frequently see is confusing and so i don't know if it would like I know that they've probably cleaned everything up, but I think Doctor Doom has existed for so long that there's probably, like, a lot of messiness and, like, uh, he probably has multiple origin stories. I'm sure Mm -hmm. his abilities have been, like, sanded down to make more sense and whatnot. But this whole, like, oh, my suit of... (laughs) My metal suit of armor can instantly heat up and refrigerate. (laughs) My my impression was, like, I thought that was part of your body. But but I don't actually know. Like, that was just what I was thinking. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, in the... In like, like how the, Darth Vader is he? Right, right. I that's what I don't know. I know in like the crappy movie, he was yeah, like oh, that yeah. was. But you know, there's yeah. a Fantastic Four fanatic out there. Like I hate you too. How do you I'm not sorry. know? I'm sorry. I'm I appreciate Fantastic Four a lot. They've just never yeah. been. I love the thing, but yeah. I mean, you know, and he's well, actually, he totally within my taste too but i mean yeah i just uh, yeah i i totally yeah. to not having really any knowledge of fantastic form yeah. mythos so damn eh, whatever and dr doom's in the freaking third episode of the show that's crazy yeah <laughs> i think dr doom was just sort of everywhere at one point yeah i can see that because i think he was in a lot of episodes of the, yeah uh, of the of the 81 solo show so yeah it makes sense i think he's um, a big deal in any case, whatever his actual powers are in this show, he has a <laughs> he has a sonic siren that he uses. He uses that to immobilize the heroes, but uh, Spidey webs it up. But that doesn't stop him. Spider Man just was like, "We need to split up. We don't have enough power to uh, to beat him." So um, Doom pursues Firestar specifically with the attempt to capture her. Um, he uses her to make the others and uh, and wants to use her to make the others surrender. Huh. 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 How many times are we going to see this happen? Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what's there funny? There are three of them. You could do this to anyone. <laughs> yeah. Of course it's her. You know what's funny though? I'm like, I'm reading this recap and I'm like, I don't really remember that part. I feel like I remember so much every, and I watched this twice, but like yeah. so much that like retains with me is like the frightening, like Lovecraftian horrors that, yeah. <laughs> that come here as Mr. Front, Mr. Frump. This it's stuff, weird because they have two parallel things happening that are happening separately from each other for a pretty decent amount of time. And this, and, and this is all, this all like leads to them running into Mr. Frump, but they it's just really nowhere even... near as interesting. It's yeah. nowhere near as interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. They barely even like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's weird. They don't even really like run. I guess they run into him, but it's sort well, of like, yeah, yeah no, they're right. They run into him. It's just like, because they realize it before they meet him. 
Yeah. But yeah, it's all just definitely stalling for time while Mr. Frump kind of figures out his powers. Right. Anyway, I guess we'll just like just zooms zooms through that stuff. They um Iceman fails to catch up to Doom, but Spider-Man does and he like This is very confusing. Yeah, I don't I can't even picture this in my head so, actually. <laughs> okay. I, What's happening it's, here? I definitely definitely uh recall this because I was so confused. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Firestar flies up, right? Dr. Doom is just like, I'm going to get you. And Iceman cannot catch up to Doom because, I, I don't know, Doom does something to him. I don't even remember what. But <laughs> Spider-Man manages to, like, grab onto Dr. Doom's legs. And the moment he does that, Dr. Doom is no longer capable of, like, flying upward somehow. And then they start spinning in, like, a weird corkscrew motion and then go back down onto the ground and then somehow end up f- upside down and that is how Doctor Doom ends up like falling on his head, in on the ground. <laughs> Did I like fall asleep during these episodes both time? Because that seems that I can't even like picture that in my head. Like that it, is not in my brain at all. It's it, so weird. Well, I I would say it's because it makes no sense. But so much of this show makes no sense that I have no idea what happened. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just I think it's because I was so. I really just think needed it was to because, get back to Mr. Frump. Yeah, I think I was so just like, <laughs> what is happening in both cases? Especially the second time watching through when I knew like where it eventually goes. Like yeah. I was so engaged in Mr. Frump's story that like this stuff yeah. almost I glazed over in the same way that it glows over in like Megazord battles and Power Rangers. Oh it's, gosh, like, yeah. It's fine. Same it's dog. the same thing every time. I don't care. Like yeah. <laughs> Well and and I have to reiterate, like these the this the the last two or three actions we described all happened pretty much in their own scenes. So this is cutting back and forth and back and forth over and over. Yeah. So missing that was like missing twelve seconds. You know what I mean? Like you That's literally true. could have like taken a drink and missed yeah. it. This episode's so strange, even just from a <laughs> structural standpoint, man. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they get they get Doctor Doom back on the ground, and that's sort of like how they gain the upper hand. But right as Doctor Doom is like pissed off and is like, I will destroy you, Frump uh wishes like the storm that is brewing away and conjures a bunch of rainbows and pretty clouds across New York, which basically stops everything. Like Doctor Doom and the spider friends are like, What in the world just happened? Like mm-hmm. suddenly everything looks different. Yeah. Well, because it's not even, it's not even just like, oh, he made it nice. Like, it's literally no. like multiple rainbows yeah, across the sky. Yeah, it's like unnatural. Sky. Yeah. It's like Candyland, like cotton candy, unicorn, and rainbows sky happening. Right. And Doom knows what's going on. So he's immediately like, oh no, somebody has the powers. This could only have happened because someone has the powers. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually kind of freaks me out a lot, like, the more I think about it, in a way that I'm sure it wouldn't have as a kid. But, like, right after this is when we start to see, like, Mr. Frump's like, oh, this city's so dull, I want it to be colorful. And then, like, all the buildings start turning these weird colors with, like, weird polka dots and things like that. Yep. And, like, this kind of stuff, like, it really does feel like like this kind of existential, like, Lovecraftian horror in a way. <laughs> like, yeah. to me, in a way that, like, as a kid, I would just been like, oh, okay, that's fun. But, like, now it's just, like, the entire idea of like okay the the one thing that you as a human no matter what your circumstances are no matter what happens the one thing that you always 100 percent have full agency over is your perception of reality you will always <laughs> see you will always see what you see and hear what you hear and everything you will always feel confident that like the reality that you live in is what like what you're perceiving is is your own right and right. so like any this this idea of like someone with godlike powers or just reality just being taken away from you nothing making any sense which it only gets worse in this episode but i think like the image of 
all the buildings changing different colors and everything while they just stand there having no idea like how this is happening or what's happening like that like frightens me on a really visceral level that i didn't <laughs> and it didn't used to be like a fear of mine it's only like where i've li- living now like as an adult and thinking like i don't know man like if someone just told me that what i was looking at like was not what i was looking at like that would just break me <laughs> immediately yeah i feel like no, it's like, I think it's a very adult fear. I don't know. Like, as a kid, this would all just be, like, nonsense and silly to me. Right. Or I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so funny that he's turning everything, like, polka-dotted. Yeah. But, like, no, dude. Like, this is, like, some Thanos and the Reality Stone. Yeah. Like, turning Mantis into cubes type yes. shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, like, this, like, imperceptible horror. And it's yeah. just, like, I can't even imagine, like, what that feels like or what that actually, like, is. Yeah. Like, you can't wrap your head around it and it drives you crazy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh man, this episode is legit, like frightening to me in a in a weird yeah. way that I didn't expect. <laughs> no, it's it's uh, it's almost like it's it's almost like dangerous to think about too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it will. I mean, I guess it's it's probably in line with like if if you have fear of like have like I know that I also have a fear of like getting brain damage or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it's the same way of just like anything that affects like your mental your mental capabilities and like your ability to like think and everything like you are like that's that's like a real fear a real visceral fear that i have like yeah number one fear i feel like and this kind of stuff like really taps into it <laughs> mr frump man <laughs> most terrifying villain in the marvel universe <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's up there um, i wonder actually like if <laughs> if someone were really if there were somebody who was an expert on like powers and how you might measure those in the in the marvel universe if they decided to include mr frump with the amulet in there like Ooh. you would have to be really high up <laughs> like really like 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 i said like infinity gauntlet levels <laughs> of power yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely oh man yeah well the one the the one like good thing with him at this point is that he doesn't really still doesn't still doesn't really know what's going on so no he's just trying to like make his day better and his life better like that's literally he does a few vengeful things but ultimately he's like this city could be prettier like this storm is making me bummed out yeah well i think almost like the scare factor at this point kind of comes from the fact that he is so oblivious to like what he's doing he is he's very childlike in the way that he thinks it's like and giving that, a child power that they couldn't possibly understand. Oh my god! You know what it makes me what it what it what it really makes me think of? It's the Twilight Zone. It's a good life where you have um, what's his name, Anthony, little little Anthony. The, do you know? Is this the new one? No, no, no. This is this is the original. I, OG, I've, I've OG never Twilight really Zone. seen like any Twilight Zone stuff. So, I know I would love it, and I just have never watched it. A very famous episode, one of the most fa- most most famous ones, one of the most frightening ones. Um, and it, it's it's worth just like looking up on Netflix. It's called It's a Good Life. I can't tell you what season it's in, but look it up. It is it is worth watching. It is it is essentially a like nine or so year old boy who was just born with godlike powers. No oh, wow. reason. No reason. He just is, and like. The power, I love stories like that. Yeah. I love and, stories where they don't explain. Right. But, like, this child having this power makes him, like, one of the most frightening beings in the world. Oh, because sure. It's not that he is, like, evil. He's not, like, Satan incarnate or whatever. He just literally doesn't understand. And having grown up with this, com- with, like, utter utter control over all of reality, he doesn't have any morals. So it's just, like, he only does what he wants. And he doesn't understand if someone's, like, he can read your mind at all times. So everyone has to only think positive thoughts. Oh my like, gosh. Yeah. It's like he wants, if he wants birthday cake for dinner, all his entire family has to eat birthday cake for dinner every single uh, night, which is like the worst. Oh God. I know. Like that whole episode <laughs> is, is positively like 
absolutely frightening and it is very Ooh. similar to this it's just that that fear of like there's literally no control over this thing because you yeah. can't even the the one weakness that frump has is that he is able to be manipulated to an extent by dr Doom. Yeah. but that the thing that also makes him so powerful is that because he's able to be manipulated he's able to be manipulated because he's very childlike and that's what also makes him so scary so yeah well that actually leads like perfectly into what happens next because basically like doom realizes what's going on and frump in this moment for whatever reason is just inspired to he, he attributes it to mabel but he's inspired to wonder where his powers came from so he he wishes for the answer to be revealed which results in dr doom basically being teleported to where mr frump is and this is where the manipulation starts to happen so doom says well frump i gave you those powers and so you need to you know basically i don't think he says like pay me back but like you basically owe me or you're sort of indebted to me um you need to use the powers in a a way that makes sense because i'm the one that gave them to you and he demands that mr frump destroy spider-man firestar and iceman attempting to convince mr frump that they are enemies of his so this is sort of where dr doom at least begins the manipulation of of mr frump yeah, so Frump does does summon the fi- spider friends um, when uh, Spider-Man wants to go after Doctor Doom. I think he sees, like, Doctor Doom potentially about to, like, fire his little fist ray yeah. or whatever. Spider-Man, like, jumps on him, but uh, Frump thinks that Spider-Man's jumping to tackle him, uh, mistakes it for aggression, and then is like, oh, okay, they are, they are my enemies. And he turns the three of them to stone, which, yeah. again, <laughs> scary. Yeah, that... <laughs> That, okay, is it, um, it's Miranoi, right? In Power Rangers, that gets mm-hmm. turned into stone? Mm-hmm. I don't know why, like, watching, <laughs> watching Power Rangers and watching that happen, especially, like, <laughs> at the end, like, I just, the idea of being turned into stone is, I don't know why that's so terrifying to me. Huh, like, I, yeah. I think it's because frequently when people are turned into stone, they're not treated as if they've been killed. Yeah. They are treated as if they have been put into an involuntary state of suspension right and that could last for like who knows how long and in yeah. some iterations they're like conscious while they're stone <sighs> and some they're not Ooh. so like either you're conscious and you're stone or you're not conscious and you maybe wake up sometime and have no idea like the environment around you like it I don't, yeah. something about the being turned into stone like really freaks me out in a way that it didn't like just 10 years ago <laughs> yeah no that's so true it's that that's so like, true because you're just carbonite aware terrifying yeah like being frozen in carbonite star wars that's like one of the worst things i can't believe that it doesn't come up more i'm sure it does in the extended universe but like terrifying absolutely terrifying absolutely (laughs) oh god this episode is so scary (laughs) (laughs) spider-man and his amazing friends tackle horror (laughs) two things i i just noticed in my notes this is like a Mm -hmm. little farther back but i like the little detail when the red carpets randomly start rolling out that from commands doom just like zaps one it's like just as it's rolling towards him he just zaps it in half so it never hits him you know what i like about the red carpet part Uh there's this weird sort of like i think unintentional atmosphere around that where they realize that something's happening and then they all stop like they're they're in the middle of fighting one of the fiercest villains of all time Mm -hmm. but both the villain and them just stop yeah like everything stops and you have to imagine that that they're not the only ones witnessing this and so everybody everywhere is probably just stopping and then in this in the middle of this moment of just pause, this red carpet rolls out, which is so creepy. It's really creepy. You're so <laughs> it's right. So creepy. You're so right. 
Yeah, it's just if you oh. think of it's just like you're sitting in silence, just like observing Ooh, what's happening. I just got and goosebumps. Then, <laughs> I know, and then this this ah, uh, it makes me feel like it feel it makes me feel the same way as at the end of Infinity War, where yes! everything just gets That's very what I was quiet too. <laughs> yeah, everyone yes. gets very everything gets very quiet right before they all turn to ash. Yeah, and it's like because Ooh. no one knows like what's happening. It just yeah. happens. Yeah. Oh God. What Ooh. is this? Uh, and you had, you had a second observation though, right? Oh, the other one is is more fun. It's just when Doom first appears to Frump and and, and Frump's like trying to ask him like what <laughs> what happened. I love I just love Doctor Doom's delivery. He's like, um, <laughs> I gave them to you. It's yeah. it's so like out of character for Doctor Doom <laughs> that he's yeah. like not in control of the situation yeah like he's caught off guard <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's another of those things where it's sort of like if you view this show as from the lens of this being a comedy that is such a comedy response oh yeah on uh, point. yeah i did it <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> Anyway, back to where we were, which I don't yes. even... Where did we even leave off at this uh, they've, the <laughs> our, our spider friends have just been turned into stone. Oh, yeah. How could I and forget? F- yeah, for some reason after that, Frump... See, this is this is one thing that's very weird about this episode, is there's frequently no transition in the way that Frump operates. Frump just does things, and Frump just feels things, and then makes those feelings known. So, like, he turns them into stone, and then, for whatever reason laments not having someone to talk to he just decides that mabel is not enough um and so he summons aunt may to his side because he recalls that she's the person that was only like the only person who's ever nice to him so she appears next to him and sees what he has done specifically to starfire and she is terrified so frump decides well i can i can undo it i can undo it and he undoes it to all of them well, naturally, Doom is like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> like, they were they were coming after us. So Frump's solution is to just take their superpowers away from them. Yeah. I, you know, I like that about Frump, that he almost is just like, there's, there is a, there's a lot of complexity to him, but there's not a lot of depth to, the, to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't really have, I don't feel like he thinks very deeply about things. He no. clearly has had a lot of weird stuff happen in his life to get him to this point and to have him be the way he is. But... He doesn't think very deeply about stuff, and which again, I think, is what what attributes to him being kind of childlike, and what makes him kind of scary because he's he's kind of unpredictable. Yeah, it's very just impulse driven. Yeah, which again, which yeah, which is is what causes so much of the bad stuff to happen because he's just like, oh, me no like this, me give you bad thing. Like it's it's it, it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah. like it's like a, it's like a wild card. Like in Survivor, yes. there's a big debate about if you have two, if if you have somebody who is working against you, but you know they're working against you. Is that more dangerous than somebody who acts wildly and you don't know if they're against you or not? Like, they might be friends with you today, but if they're constantly sort of acting erratically, which one's a bigger threat? Like, Frump is just a total wild card. Like, do we need to stop him immediately? Do we manipulate him? Do we have to trick him? Can we talk sense into him? Like, what approach do you take? Yeah, yeah, which, I mean, (laughs) the the spider friend's don't defeat him in the end. It's Dr. Doom pretty much that oh, figures yeah. out how to do it. The spider friends are completely like unable to, to get, even get close to Frump, which is yeah, so they crazy. stand absolutely no chance. Yeah. Way out of their league. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, this episode, man. Oh yeah. So he, he takes away the super friends powers, which leads to what we were kind of referring to in the last episode. <laughs> the question Part of how two. these powers work. So, so Iceman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the previous episode, lost his powers due to heat and then was not clothed. 
And we sort of said, like, well, you know what? We can just believe that that's because, you know, he's still technically transformed, but he just is, like, in a half-transformation state. In this one, he loses his powers, but he still is... He's still just Iceman. Yeah. Firestar specifically rests her hand on his, like, ankle or yeah. whatever. And is like, and you're not cold! <laughs> yeah. I think there's a part of my brain that's been working on it since we were talking about it in the last episode. Because here's what I here's how I think I'm going to, like, explain this one. Okay. Iceman's powers work in a certain way in reality. Firestar's powers work in a certain way in reality. Spider-Man's powers work in a certain way in reality. One thing that Spider-Man wasn't able to do was shoot webs. I think his web shooters didn't work anymore. But those are technology. And so I think the only way that this could be explained is that Mr. Frump is taking away their powers as he understands them. And he doesn't, he wouldn't know that the web shooters are technology, nor would he know that Iceman is anybody other than Iceman. He wouldn't know who Bobby is. So there's no reason that, that Iceman would untransform uh, based on Mr. Frump being the one to decide. Interesting. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, because I mean, Firestar, we don't really understand like where her costume comes from, but she transforms into it with her powers, it seems like. Right. She doesn't, she doesn't lose her costume and her like blowout hair either. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But Spider-Man does lose his web shooters. I'm pretty sure. You know, he, uh, he he specifies that. He specifies even like even my web shooters aren't, aren't working. Like he points out that that's weird. So that makes that's what makes a lot of sense because he does have the power to literally control reality in ways that make no sense. So why why would this make sense? Well, and it's reality that's based entirely on how he's able to define it based on perception. Yes. So exactly. if the reality is that these are what the superpowers are, he just nullifies that. That makes a lot of sense, actually. So all right, we're we're still good. We're still good. Yeah, you solved it. Nice job. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, well, after he takes away their powers, uh, he summons a palace for some reason. (laughs) He just wants a palace. Hey, you know, (laughs) why why not? (laughs) He's also at this point, like, trying to impress Aunt May, so I guess that's part of it. But he usually... It's usually a little more obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Dr. Doom tells, is, is like, we don't need Aunt May. What are you, what are you doing? Spider-Man is, is pissed off that Aunt May is there. He, trumps, he attempts to tackle Doom again, even without his powers. Doom blasts him. Um, he corners the powerless heroes. They're just up in the corner, like putting up fisticuffs. Um, it's, it's, it's yeah, kind of, kind of frightening. <laughs> yeah. Ter- they a hundred percent could have been killed like in three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> right. But Frump isn't really invested in this at all. He's just concerned with uh, with impressing May. <laughs> he summons all the money in the world, verbatim. Oh How do you gosh. think that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna come back to bite him? <laughs> well, uh, it rains from the sky, and it's not liquid, so it just piles up. <laughs> yep, Doctor Doom is about to kill the sp- the powerless Spider friends, but uh-huh. it's only stopped because a pile of coins drops yeah. right onto his head. <laughs> yeah, just a huge pile of currency, just bam. <laughs> well, the Super Friends use this as an opportunity to escape, um, but Mister Frump's wishes prevent them from doing that in a very comical way, <laughs> because they all sort of run off in different directions, and Mister Frump isn't intending to get in their way he's just still trying to impress aunt may she basically says like if you can have anything you want like why would you want money so he he, i don't think he fully understands what her criticism is but he summons like a car and a tv and a yacht and each one of those items like falls directly in front of one of the spider friends (laughs) and like just prevents them from going anywhere (laughs) like just totally by accident (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, Dr. Doom suggests that he should, uh, he should be entertained if he wants to have fun, but he should be entertained like a Roman emperor. So Frump, for whatever reason, is like, oh yeah, sure, uh, Roman Colosseum, that's, that's a thing that I want. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he, um, and and teleports all of them there, puts the spider friends right inside of the arena, gives them their powers restored because he does want to have fun. He doesn't want them to just be immediately killed, which I appreciate. It's strange, though, because this is at the suggestion of Dr. Doom. Well, I don't think Doc, Doc, did Dr. Doom specify giving those powers back. I well, thought that was a Frump thing. So we don't know because Dr. Doom <laughs> oh, oh, whispers in Frump's ear. And I, I love that he like, I love Dr. Doom's whisper. I don't it's, know why. It's just it's, like very funny to me. It's incoherent. It gave me a ASMR, like no joke. <laughs> it is so on Just like point. reached a state of euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I felt it. I mean, I listened to a lot of ASMR and there is definitely like incomprehensible whispering is an ASMR thing. <laughs> and that's 100% what he was doing. Wow. Dr. Doom invented <laughs> ASMR. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, he gives them their powers back so we can have some fun with them. He pits them against a bunch of the, the weirdest enemies you can have. At first, they're like, who who's the greatest fighter of all time or whatever? And they go to Genghis Khan somehow. I don't. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand this at all. There's a lot of ridiculousness in this this episode. This one I have a really hard time getting past because why Genghis Khan? Um, and also like, who drew this? Who drew? Uh, I just want to have a talk. I just want to. I just want to speak with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Wasn't there like a? Th- I feel like there was a thing in the eighties where like Genghis Khan came up a lot in like. Yeah. I feel like the media was obsessed with Genghis Khan for some reason, and I don't know where that came from. I don't know. I don't know, but it's all. It's it's awkward. all racist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so luckily that doesn't last long. <laughs> we do get another eye shot of Genghis Khan, a Firestar's oh. eye, a Firestar's eye looking at Genghis Khan. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Three for three. Three for three. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they they do uh, they do battle with Genghis Khan for like a very little bit of time, but ultimately uh, spend a bit more time on a Cyclops and Cerberus, and then when that doesn't work out for Frump. He summons, quote, the weirdest creature in the universe, which is sort of like this, like, beanstalk, insect, squid, bird, like, jello hybrid thing. Yeah. Um, that screams a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't like it. Mm-mm, mm-mm, it's mm-mm, weird. Mm-mm. I mean, you know, this episode is going for Lovecraftian vibes, and there you go. They nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, this this weird alien creature thing manages to capture all of the spider friends. Um, I also am realizing that I this is this is so hard. This show because I've probably said and have certainly written super friends like a bunch of times yeah i noticed that in there i didn't want to <laughs> call uh, it out but yep. no that's okay i i <laughs> i think i've been pretty good not to say it but i can't promise that i haven't said it but i definitely have written it many times anyway the alien creature manages to capture all of the spider friends <laughs> uh with its tentacles aunt may is obviously horrified at everything that's happening around her and dr doom is like a total dick in this moment and just like <laughs> shoots like a some sort of weird dr doom ray like right behind her and she like trips and falls over the balcony that they're <laughs> like standing on the way and that so... it is animated it's oh, like yeah. yeah it's like behind her but then there's a pause <laughs> she turns around 
then screams, then falls over the, the railing. It's like, it's like if you had somebody who was like, just like acting really poorly on stage and was yes. like, oh no, now I am falling. Exactly. <laughs> it's like kind of how it, how it goes. But she doesn't actually hit the ground because the alien catches her as well. So that's nice. Yeah. It's a good alien, actually. He's trying to save all of them. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Um, but the, the state of this situation right now is that all three of our heroes and aunt may are captured by the alien and that's that's pretty much what's going on <laughs> like everything's horrible <laughs> yes uh yep yep and instead of just i mean dr or dr frump mr frump realizes this i've been um, having a hard time like making sure i didn't do that too <laughs> <laughs> good i'm glad it was just me <laughs> no not just you I mean, he he does he's he's got a thing for Aunt May. I don't think and I I think he's too childish to actually like be in love with her, but he likes her a lot. And yeah. So I think seeing that is kind of the final straw for him when he realizes like, oh god, this is actually this is horrible. What have I done? Yeah. But again, he's not he's not a very smart man. He's not a very clever man. So he doesn't <laughs> think that I could just say make none of this be as it was. Right. He just <laughs> what does he call it? He calls himself Wonder Frump. He's like, I uh... want to be Wonder Frump. And he makes himself a very, a very cute superhero. And I actually, this is again, a thing that I think makes him really interesting because he doesn't fix his like comb over. He doesn't give himself like sculpted abs or anything. He's still the same person that he was. He is just in a very, very old fashioned superhero costume that he puts himself on with a cape, with tights, with the whole like underwear on the outside thing, like very clearly modeled after a a Superman thing because it's orange. Mm -hmm. He's, he has no, I feel like he has no, it's not a case that he doesn't have like self-esteem or self-confidence or something with himself. He just like, he's had the world crap on him a lot. And so when he sees the best version of himself, it's just he who he is, but as a superhero. So, uh, which again, it's kind of a childlike way to think of things. Yeah. So he turns into this this Wonder Frump character who has superpowers. He can fly around. Um, he's like high on a, he he does he comes down there. He beats the monster or whatever. Um, he's high on adrenaline, so he challenges the super friends to a fight. But they're like, no, dude, we don't want to fight you. Come on, yeah. chill out. <laughs> so the probably not the biggest thing that he does but one of the most viscerally frightening to me <laughs> thing that he does, the most body horror thing that he yes. does he he says like well then you'll be rooted to the ground so he turns he turns their feet it's just even like saying the, saying he turns their feet into tree roots i don't feel like does it justice no. like root fleshy root things grow out of their feet yeah and like root them to the ground to which their response is like Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> yeah, not like, like oh god, my body is changing and rooting itself <laughs> into the earth, and I will never be able to move from this spot, and I'll probably die. Right, right. They should be like this. This. This is a thing. This is like a se- severe traumatic event happening. But you know, <laughs> whatever. They're taking it in stride, I guess. <laughs> yeah, good. Good for them because I didn't even take this in stride watching Ooh. it. Oh god, oh, it's so creepy. The way it's it's like this show doesn't animate a lot of things very well, but it animates Oof. that like very <laughs> detailed yeah. and creepy. Yeah, they make sure you think about it. <laughs> Ooh, uh, uh. 
<sighs> well, Doctor Doom says that he actually is able to reverse the spell, but it would require the super friends. To... Dang it, I did it. I did it. It's <laughs> trying so hard not to, and I even just said it. Um, the spider friends, everybody. The spider friends. <sighs> and I'm going to leave it in there, too, so you all know my shame. Um, but it would require the spider friends to return the amulet pieces to him, which they obviously don't want to do. They've seen exactly what the amulet can do. And they don't trust Dr. Doom. But it is the only thing that they have at the moment. So the four of them attempt to trick Frump into recreating the conditions necessary and reciting the incantation needed to strip him of his powers. There is something else that happens. He he basically, like, Frump flies off with um, Aunt May. And she says, like, I don't like you anymore. Like, you're you're arrogant and whatever. And so he flies back. I don't really know why he needs to fly off in the first place, but he does. So he I flies think, back. I think I think that whole bit was just because I think that's kind of his his turn is when Aunt May calls him cruel and arrogant. Because I think from this yeah. point forward is when he realizes, like, oh God, what if I what I'm doing is is bad actually? Yeah, I guess because the I think there is that moment of realization, but he's definitely not ready to give it up because the way that they trick him is by saying like hey, your powers are going to run out in an hour, but I could fix that if you want. And so he says, okay, do that, fix that. And so they basically say like, okay, well, here's the way that we're going to do it. Um, But really they're recreating all of the conditions that allowed him to get powers in the first place so that Dr. Doom can quote undo them. But we realize that Dr. Doom is in fact double crossing the spider friends and he does the incantation and all that sort of stuff in an attempt to redirect the powers to himself. Yeah. So that's sort of like his actual plan. Mm-hmm. The way that he does that is by, I don't understand this. The way that he creates that fake amulet, he like pulls a button out of his console, which immediately is like Play-Doh somehow. And he like squishes it up and then uses his, uh, his like doom fist ray thing to shape it back into the amulet. All of in the span of like 12 seconds. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. That at this point, that stuff doesn't even make any. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah, of all the things that we could examine, it's probably not the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he double crossed them. He creates. Uh, um, he creates like the lightning storm, or I guess it summons lightning storm, whatever, to have this incantation happen. Um, Iceman protects them with an ice shield to prevent the lightning from hitting them. Um, but Doom is holding May hostage. Um, May of course is the only person that that frump has like a human connection with at this point yeah so he he teleports her back home for safety um there's a real quick like blip when he's teleporting her where like you see her apron (laughs) appear on her (laughs) for a second before she appears back home (laughs) anyway that's so uh, silly it's very silly i think they just like used an old model of her or something yeah yeah They figured that like no one's gonna have a podcast in thirty years that where they're gonna go through oh, yeah, this definitely. in depth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so teleports her back home, so she's out of the way now. Um, which means the spider friends can team up to uh, to fight Doom, prevent him from holding the amulet when the lightning finally strikes, and and it does eventually strike. While they they get it out of his hands. I think it's like midair when the lightning strikes it, which means the power goes to no one. Um, yeah. and according, according to Doom, that's actually the way that the power the amulet loses power that means it's power is totally gone all lingering effects are erased including any memory of the events yeah which is definitely an interesting choice yeah i wonder why they thought they needed to do that because i don't think they would have done that unless they felt like it was necessary to do that 
I guess because it's just everything that's happening is just too weird, you know. I mean, yeah. The the the, the downside that I that I give to it, like from a writing standpoint, is that this would have been a great opportunity to have all of their identities revealed and stuff like that. Like you could have had when they lost Ooh, their powers, yeah. like they go, they change back to the human forms. Like that would have been kind of cool. And then you have Aunt May being like, Oh my God, Peter is Spider-Man. And then, Ooh, you know, that would have yeah. been good. I don't yeah. know where you would have fit that in amidst all this, but, <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that would have been, that would have been really good. <laughs> but yeah, so they have them lose all their memories. I will say one thing that I, that I missed that, that I, that I liked a lot was that the reason that Aunt May gets teleported away when Frump recognizes that he that he doesn't want her to be in danger, he says specifically she's a better person than I am. Yes. Right before teleporting her away. And I think yeah. that's important for his, like, I don't want to necessarily call this a character arc for him, really, but just, like, a way to flesh out his character. Because I think, like, what I find really interesting about Mr. Frump is that he's, he's just, I feel like his main flaw is that he's just very oblivious and he's not very self-aware. Um, which is something I kind of can relate to a little bit. Um, and that it's just like, so it just takes him a long time to really fully understand like the consequences of what he's doing. It's not because he's like really a bad guy. It's just that he just doesn't really get it. But then once he does get it, he does the right thing. So. Yeah. One thing that's really interesting about, well, I guess we have like one more thing. So I'll, I'll, I'll say that, but then okay. then get into this. So cool. um, Mr. Frump is sad uh, because he realizes like everything's going to go back to the way it was. But he is reunited with Mabel, who he doesn't remember, but names Mabel again, which really supports your theory that there's somebody in his life uh, <laughs> named Mabel, because he came up with that name twice independently. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the episode really just ends with all the, the spider friends losing their memory. That, yeah. That's really where it ends. That's it. What's really interesting about that, not not the memory loss, but the fact that Mr. Frump has this realization that everything's, everything's going to go back to the way it was. Mr. Frump never finds self-worth in this episode. That's so the sad. The end of this episode does not result in Mr. Frump feeling better about himself or learning anything about himself or improving in any way or finding a better life. It ends with him in the exact same circumstance he was before, except now he has a cat. Yeah. I mean, well, but no, you know what, though? I feel like... I don't know. I feel like having the cat is kind of a symbol for him because it seems like what he really wanted, like all of the stuff that he gets, it, it he never, he, when he gets all of his powers, it's not like he wishes to, to have like a job, right? I mean, like he wishes for revenge on the people that just wronged right. him just before, but he doesn't go out and try to find every single person that wronged him after that point to get back yeah. at them. He doesn't try to like wish to be king of the world or president or whatever. <laughs> like he just starts wishing for stuff that he wants. And then, yeah. but then it's not long before he's like, I want, I want someone who loves me. Who is a best friend. Oh, I get a cat. I want someone yeah. to talk to. I get aunt may. So I feel like the thing that he ultimately, that I think is his, his issue wasn't his self worth. Like I feel like his, I don't feel like that's even a thing that he, that's really like, that bothers him necessarily. Like it's an issue that he has that he has like no self-esteem or whatever. But, but I feel like for him, he just needed someone that actually cared about him. He's just lonely. (laughs) Yeah, he's just really lonely. And I think that lines up when we first see him, he, he of course is like, oh, Aunt May was the only person that ever, that ever was nice to me. Like he just wants somebody to like be nice to him, to like love him unconditionally. And he gets that in Mabel out of this. Yeah, I guess. I just, he did his uh 
his spree didn't really like end with Mabel though. Like he still wanted after Mabel, but maybe it's because he was able to yeah. receive things that he thought he wanted, but uh, it still makes me sad. Like it I still, still don't think I mean, that he's like living a better life. No matter he's what, he's a cat, which sad. improved my life, but still. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. He's still a very like, I mean, not still to be, like, doesn't per- have a job. Yeah. Not to be like pretentious. I'm bringing it up again, but he's a very like Kafka esque character. Like, <laughs> yes, just, just, there's nothing good in his life and it's not in it for any particular reason i don't think it's i mean they say like oh you're a daydreamer or whatever but it seems like people hate him for literally no reason yeah well he's daydreaming because he's unfulfilled yeah he's he's probably daydreaming about like a better life or circumstances or Mm -hmm. something i don't know what but Mm -hmm. and life just keeps handing him like the shit end of the stick for yeah not really i mean it's kind of a vicious cycle like they they say that he's too much of a daydreamer but he's too much of a daydreamer because he doesn't have a have a good life so yeah it's it's really sad and it's really like weirdly complex for this show Mm -hmm. intentionally or unintentionally i don't know but i'm gonna go with unintentionally (laughs) probably (laughs) but But this is terrible i just give this show like so little credit when it comes to those things but did this writer ever write again for the show i don't know i think she did i think she wrote i think she wrote some episodes of this show so or i'll be really curious then to see like what other types of stories she writes Mm -hmm. um because i think that will help me land on how much of this story was meant to be thought of in the way that we're thinking of it, even just a little bit and how much of it was just like sort of like silliness. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, cause I, I I don't know. I I still don't know. Like there's so much of it that is silliness, but so much that we've been able to extract from it that it's hard to imagine that everything we extracted from it is purely accidental. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I feel like because there are these pointed lines in there where he does have like this, these little, these little like glimpses of self-realization and self-actualization where he's just like, oh, I recognize that May is a better person than I am. Like that's, that's a very specific line to write that didn't need to be there for him to be like, I like her. She's in danger. Go away. You know, like that's true. Like, it's the difference between I don't want that person to be damaged versus they don't deserve this. Yeah, I feel like there was a, a like kind of a subtle arc planted in here that I just think like the show being what it is, there's just not enough room to really flesh it out. But I feel like there was a there was some intentionality on like who Frump is. I think we were making him out to be a little more complex than he actually was written to be. But the, I I think there was intentionality in this idea of like this guy act like still kind of having these moments of like not being so oblivious and kind of seeing who he is for better or worse truly and authentically you know yeah that's true like it wouldn't mr frump wouldn't be the character he is on accident yeah you know like his circumstances were chosen for a reason this wasn't this didn't happen to j jonah jameson right you know what i mean right because it could the story wouldn't have played out the same way right exactly oh man and there's still there's still a ton of there was like little notes I was just like I knew there's so much stuff to talk about that I didn't even really call <laughs> out. There's still little things like there's Iceman making the the ice dog treats for Cerberus. Oh yeah, yeah. That was just like okay, I guess they like ice. That's cool. Yeah, like, it looks like, like a dog treat. It's still ice, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but they go for it. There's stuff like that. There's a lot of like little things in this episode that's just like it's too much. But it's just like this episode is just so it's so it's dense in a way that. I don't. Th- I, I imagine not much of this show usually is, <laughs> and in a way that we never could have expected. Because I think God. if we had known what we were getting into, I don't think we would have. I think we would have covered only this episode. <laughs> Seriously, oh man, this episode's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my Oof. gosh. Oh boy. I'm sweating. 
Yep. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Faces of this episode. So, like I said before, one, like, bad animation mistakey one, but that's also really good slash bad. One that's just, like, a good face. The, just the regular face. The moment that, like, Mr. Frump realizes the power that he has, I think it's right after he turns the kid into the clam. It is. Oof. He has this look where he's just like, yeah. I know what I can do now. And it's, it is very, uh, haunting, (laughs) very haunting. It's very like he, he does. He looks like a bad guy. (laughs) Like he's not really eyebrow is like slightly raised. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. Hmm. Pondering all the things I could do now. (laughs) Yeah. This is definitely, I mean, this is definitely like right before he realizes he can make those kids his, his hand servants on his horse-drawn carriage. Oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> yep. This is like him at his like darkest point. <laughs> Mr. Frump. <laughs> All the revenge floating through his face. Oh man, what a commentary. Like, I just can't stop thinking about this. Because like, also like, how much could you dig into this? And like, basically this is a guy who is downtrodden. And he's obviously, like, the, the description describes him as homeless i don't know where they got that from but if this is actually a guy who like doesn't have it like cannot find a job or can't keep a job and he's homeless and he's you know derided by society basically the story is, is basically <laughs> said like if you give that person power they can't be trusted and will ruin everything Ooh. like oh it just, like just keep them down like, <laughs> like oh god oh god the implications of this are so <sighs> sorry Ooh. Woof. I just, uh, <laughs> I don't know why that hit me as we were looking at this face, but I they mean, basically took like a, a guy who's been crapped on all his life and like made him the villain. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so, it's so like messed up, but I mean, that's people's, that's some people's worldview. Yeah. And this is less smart. His name is Frump. Oh yeah. What does it rhyme yep. with? <laughs> Whoa. Rump. <laughs> yeah i'm not i don't have anywhere to go with from there but hey yeah. uh there were so the thing i did manage to correct was that typing mistake because oh, i definitely did that me. a few times <laughs> <laughs> i have always said that it feels like not to get like political this isn't really political it feels like we're living in a timeline where donald trump gate like had a one wish with a genie and was like, I want to be the most famous and most powerful person in the world. And this is the timeline that we're living in because he appears in like every movie. Yeah. He's the pre- literally the president. He like lives in a, I mean, you know, anyway, I don't want to go into that, but just saying it feels similar. It feels like a similar situation here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't think that's off base at all. <laughs> Nor do I think it was especially political. <laughs> cool. <laughs> But yeah, it is an interesting thing. I wow, we could have we could write entire like twenty page examinations of this episode, and I'm kind of sad I didn't in college. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Why did we discover this <laughs> like ten years or seriously nine years sooner? <laughs> the other face of the episode is Firestar. A, I think it's uh, it's right after they're like about to to go after Doom or something like that. I don't know. Um, it's it's after the the city has been changed to being polka dots and crazy colors. Firestar's face, her, 
It's like her mask is way too big for her face. So the the face that's just within the parameters of the mask extend beyond what her actual head is. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. she has head, her eyes are way too far on each side of her face. Yeah, instead of fixing the mask, they just like made sure her eyes fit inside of it. <laughs> Which means that like there's this like lump of skin and eye that's just like way past where her head is <laughs> ends on the sides. It's very like when people try to, like, draw Peter Parker's face under extreme examples of the Spider-Man mask. <laughs> it's kind of similar to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> uh, and terrifying. Yes, it is. Like this episode. Yeah, th- this this screen grab definitely fits the uh, will-give-me-nightmares uh, criteria, for sure. <laughs> Whew. Oh, my God. Well, that was that was hefty. This is not a thing that I expected from this. This show was like, oh, we'll have a breather in between like full seasons. Yeah. <laughs> of and then shows. we've gotten probably one of the most like uh, dense, mm-hmm. uh, terrifying episodes that we've covered for sure. Yep. Yep. And probably it's probably going to be one of our one of our longer ones, too. Of course. Oh, like, yeah. Not was not intentional. But oh, my God, there's so much stuff in, there in is. Just this one. Well, I. We're having so much fun with the series, like in a way that I would not have expected us to to have. Well, I expected us to have fun, but I didn't expect us to have like a full meal out of it. I thought this was going to yeah. be like a nice little like silly snack. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was my thing. Like when we when we decided to do this podcast, it was like we're going to do every Spider Man cartoon ever that counts the ones that probably aren't very good. And 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 you know, you sort of think of like the pre nineties show ones. It's like that's kind of before the renaissance of superhero media in general right like so it's just like everything before then it was sort of like well that'll be that'll be the stuff that we don't (laughs) that we don't really want to do much of because we're probably not gonna be able to mine very much of it and i am so shocked by how how much stuff there is to talk about with these and how enjoyable (laughs) they are to watch how like the way the i mean i knew like the 60s show was kind of weird i i've seen episodes of amazing friends but i guess just like not really looking at it through like an analytical lens. I didn't realize just how crazy these shows are. <laughs> oh, crazy indeed. <laughs> I never would have guessed. I had no idea. I was yeah. not giving any, like you said, anything pre nineties, nearly enough credit. Absolutely. Which it just makes me more excited to like revisit all the stuff that's like quote unquote bad. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, I know I'm really excited to get to like Spider-Man unlimited things like that, that aren't really given that are that like people just kind of sh- shrug off because it's like oh that was the bad one but it's like yeah all of these shows have stuff in them i feel like that are yeah. worth looking at one way or another <laughs> for better or worse <laughs> oh definitely yeah and and we'll find all of it we will oh, yeah. we'll dig it up <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Whew. well i think that's all <laughs> i don't have anything left in me <laughs> I'm, I'm exhausted. <laughs> if you uh, if you do want anything else from us, um, you can find us both on Twitter. We're both very active. I'm at uh, Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also hear me more on the Victory Road podcast on the same network, 4-Eyed Radio Network, um, where we talk about all things Pokemon. We are still, still waiting <laughs> for more Pokemon game news, but I guess we're just not going to get anything uh, until maybe like a large show or something, but um when when it happens we'll be there cool 
Cool. You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube. Uh, I'm at my show Second Chance, and I'll have a new episode still still working on um, coming out uh, hopefully, bef- probably, well, probably sometime during the month of this episode's release. So sometime during in June, I'm hoping that it'll come out, um, hopefully sooner than later. But basically, it's a uh, YouTube show, video essay show, looking at uh, bad slash divisive media or things perceived as bad or divisive and kind of trying to pull positive uh, positive ideas out of them, looking at intentionality and and uh, and the history of them and things like that, things like Spider-Man Three, like the Power Rangers 2017 movie, like Josie and the Pussycats, and the next one coming out will be Scrappy Doo, and I have a few other few other things lined up uh, after that as well. So look for more for that. And if you want to follow us, uh, Walloping Web Snappers, our show, um, and uh, see some extra goodies and all of these uh, faces of the episode that we talk about, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod. You can also email us any uh, questions, inquiries, fan art, stuff like that at uh, Walloping Web Snappers Podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also support us on Patreon by going to our Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. Get some amazing perks, uh, including that Walloping Word Stappers game. Um, we have some bonus episodes that we're working on um, and other things uh, in addition to that. And uh, next time, we're going to be doing uh, one more jaunt into Amazing Friends before we kind of detour into other stuff. Um, we are going to be uh, discussing when Firestar falls in love again, I guess, and also when the Spider Friends face Swarm. Let's go. Let's go. Bye. Let's end this. Bye. talk about more should i announce what we're going to be doing after that Ooh, uh, or keep that under wraps yeah you all just need to wonder okay 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 let's go let's do it we're done finally this broken my this episode's broken my brain obviously